easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission High vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Thank you. Hello, hello, hi. My name is Mike Spiegelman. Welcome to Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. That's a song by my buddy Carl Halp. You can check him out at Carl's De. No. You can check out Carl's website. No, not even a website. You can check out Carl's Twitter handle at Jokes De Carl. D E Carl with a C. Carl. Hi, so speaking of internet, my name is Mike Spiegelman, and uh, the show is called Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube, and it's a very simple premise. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. So I would like some interaction with you, the audience. Uh, we are recording this live here at our good friends at mutinyradio.fm. If you are listening live, feel free to give us a call, 415-550-0511. We record this every week, Sundays two to four Pacific Standard Time. So if you are listening to our podcast and you want to call us during that time, chances are we'll answer the phone. Uh, and this is available on iTunes. Uh, unfortunately, it's by the initials, so you have to uh, type in L-W-A-F-L-M 
O-Y-T, and you can get the feed. But you can find the feed on mutinyradio.fm, and you can find the movies and the feed itself on Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot. Dot com. So anyway, I need you right now to uh, go to YouTube, whether you can use your desktop, laptop, tablet, iPhone, Android, and go ahead, and I'm going to do this too. I'm going to move my mouth away from the mic. I'm going to type in YouTube. Well, our movie tonight uh, is one of my favorites, and uh, I'm very excited about this one. So let's go ahead and type in Wired. Wired would be the one right here. All right, let's see what we got. So so generic. Uh, why don't we do Wired movie? All right, let's see what we got here. Here we go. Uh, let me. Uh, I think this might be the one we'll do. So if you guys type in Wired movie. Uh, on YouTube, there's a couple choices. We're going to go with the one hosted by our friends. Left, left a bitch, Arlie. No, it's left a uh, bit, Charlie. Although it looks like bitch in there. Anyway, so let's go ahead to that one, and uh, we'll set that up here. I'm going to go ahead and click. Hopefully, this is a good version. A lot of crappy versions. So, wow, 146 minutes. So I'm buffering right now. I don't see any commercials on this. Smooth sailing on the bar. Oh, buffering around, like playing with the, the buffering circle does remind me that uh, you should play with your nipples. <laughs> All right, here we go. I got Avid pop up, and I'm going to pause. This is a good chance to get our special guest co-host here on the mic. Uh, I'm very excited to start the show off. I have Jeff Cleary. Hi, oh, Jeff. Oh, hey, hey, Mike. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Oh, it's all right. Life goes on. Uh, you're not late. Uh, we're going to start this movie. You ready? Yeah, I'm totally ready. I'm, I'm totally uh, excited to see Michael Chiklis act like a drug addict. Okay. Right. Act like. <laughs> so, oh. Uh, this is actually very crucial. Oh, no, this is, uh... Okay, so we just had the tourist entertainment uh, scene pop up. Man, what, what year did this movie come out? Uh, 89, which is, I saw this when it came out, and I consider this the worst movie of the 80s. Oh, really? It came wow. out during the Christmas I I, time. If I knew that was going to be a question, I would have uh, I would have prepared, because I love playing games like that. Like, worst movie. But, um, whew. I, and you know what? Let me tell you, I've never seen this movie before. You've never seen this movie before? I've never seen it, and I'm a big uh, John Belushi fan. Yeah, so uh, they're doing the Bs, two, three, four. Hi. So J.T. Walsh is in this movie as well, the late J.T. Walsh. Oh, what else was he in? He was in um, I believe everything. Breakdown. Uh, he was in The Negotiator. He was in everything. He basically was a sad sack uh, white guy. Who would show up looking like he's sad sack, but he looks like he would suck your blood out. Alex Rocco, of course, uh, from The Simpsons, voice of The Simpsons, and Mo oh, Green. Who's, who does he do in The Simpsons? He was Roger Meyer Jr., the uh, head oh. of the recording studio. But he was Mo Green in the Godfather movies. And oh. Ray, the late Ray Sharkey's in this movie, too. Oh. 
Uh, the late great who? Ray Sharkey. Who's that? He uh, was an 80s phenomenon uh, who was in Wise Guys, and he did a lot of really good acting. I think he died of a drug overdose or some, some sad way, but before he passed away, he made this movie. We're make, this is a movie about drug uh, abuse by drug abusers. Yeah, it's also, uh, he plays a guardian angel in this movie. Ooh. There's a guardian angel. So this movie is called Wired. It's not based on the magazine. It's based on a searing book by Bob Woodward about the life of John Belushi, life and death. A lot of controversy when the, when the book and the movie came out. Well, the book came out in 83, and this came out in 89. Uh, we're watching John uh, Michael Chiklis play John Belushi doing a blues number dressed as a bee. Do you remember what season, what episode of Saturday Night Live oh, where they dressed up as bees and sang like the Blues Brothers? That is before my time. There was never an episode. Oh, it was never an episode, really? Where, where they sang blues dressed up as a bee. They dressed up as bees and they sang blues, but I don't think this ever happened. Really? Hmm. I know that they couldn't get the rights to a lot of the sketches of Saturday Night Live, so a lot of the Saturday Night Live scenes is them playing the music, which they got the rights to. I took the tour of uh, Rockefeller Center, uh, 30 Rock, and like a long time ago. And part of their the tour, they you see this like it's kind of like a museum of stuff that they've used on Saturday Night Live, and they show you these B outfits, and they're just like basically long johns that somebody <laughs> like uh, took a magic marker to. Probably Judy uh, uh, Belushi. Can you imagine how many drugs were done back then? Oh, tons on the set. You think when they were performing live, they were uh, wired? Oh, sure. So here, the directed by uh, credit rolls up with a scene of live action and a television set. Very, uh, very significant scene. So he's dead now. Uh, yeah, so the book came out. It was controversial because what happened was the, the widow of John Belushi, Judy Belushi, asked Bob Woodward, who's best known for breaking the Watergate story. Yep. Yeah, in the Washington uh, Post. All, all the President's Men. All the President's Men, which was a movie that was tied in. So there's the body of John Belushi in a body bag that the morgue is carrying. Oh, that the... By the way, when I have a morgue, I make sure that the, the guys handling the bodies have a shtick. Yeah, I want to make sure that Ray Parker Jr. is handling my body. Yeah, I want him to be talking and doing shtick while carrying dead bodies around my... <laughs> well, you know, you, you whistle while you work. <laughs> you whistle while you work. But when you work in a mortuary, it's a little more respectful not to whistle while you work. Oh, God, I hope this is not an episode of Six Feet Under. I'll, I'll walk out right now. Have you ever walked out of a movie? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. I have walked out of a few movies. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a DVD that I turned off and never came back to. Wow. And if you I was in the theater, I would have walked out. You know, I know I look like a normal human being, right. but uh, I've actually never seen Char our, what's it, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, there's Willy Wonka and the oh, Chocolate I've Factory. Oh, I've never seen that one. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about, the Giant Depp one. And it's so, it was so bad I had to stop. I've done that for a few films where I, I stopped the film. But I have a friend of mine wanted to walk out. He walked out four times of Goonies. Uh, not Goonies. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Wait, 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 wait. wait. How, what do you mean walked out four times? So, like I walked out once and I had to go give it another shot well, three I never, more times. I didn't leave. His friend did not leave. So look, so the body, the body in the body bag unzipped it and took the sandwich at the corner. So there's John Belushi. And now we, now we go, oh, my God, this movie's terrible. The dead body came out of the body bag. We cut to a different scene. That old, uh, that, that, that old tr uh, angle, the dead body coming back to life. Right. 
Well, that's it. And he eats the sandwich too because he's still John Belushi. So, uh, so wait, it was John Belushi's wife that had a problem with the book? Yeah, she asked him, like, can you write an expose? So he did, and he discovered that this guy was a raging coke fiend and was in, had a lot of enablers. A lot of his friends looked the other way. And there was a serious issue, and there was a serious problem, and he was shooting up, sleeping with other women. Well, wasn't there also an angle of that, that whole story that people thought that she might have killed him? Well, I, I don't. That's a little far fetched. I mean, like, it, conducted the uh, the killer shot. There was a, a person who did administer the fatal ejection, eight ball ejection into John Belushi, and she was uh, she shows up in this movie. She has a very famous line in this movie. Uh, that, by the way, is the bare naked ass of uh, Michael Chiklis from the eighties. The commish. The commish. The shield. Never. Oh, uh, doing a very bad John Belushi impression. Well, no one, no one touched this movie. So when the book came out in '83, it caused huge controversy because it implied that a lot of these people, like Dan Aykroyd and Father Guido Seducci, and all these people were Robin Williams, who was there the night of, of John Belushi's final night, he dropped by the hotel. Wow. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like what was written about it, and it, it's a pretty accurate story. And it was a sensational story, but to make a movie based on a guy who passed away in 1981. So this film was 1989. Also, the book came out in, what, 83? 83, sure. And there was all these, like, protests, like Dan Aykroyd was yeah. really mad about the book. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go ahead and make the movie then. So this movie, I don't think Dan Aykroyd's name is mentioned. There's a lot. Of, there's a bunch of people whose names are not mentioned, like Bernie Brillstein. So they're the dead body. Of course, it's just kind of a cab that's outside the mortuary. But the cab driver is none other than his guardian angel. This is back in the day when you, a dead body could get a cab in New York. Yeah, right. That was before Uber, too. <laughs> Uber, like, they let, they let more dead bodies in there because dead bodies write good reviews. Oh, look at this, this font. Oh, it's Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yeah. Comma, Massachusetts, compared to the Virginia Martha's Vineyard. By the way, you mentioned uh, he died of a speedball overdose. Yeah. Can won't. we just, like, mention that, oh, my God, if anyone doesn't know, speedball is where you put cocaine in heroin uh-huh. and then inject it into your body and just right. let this upper and this downer fight it out inside your body. Right. Yeah, it's a good fight. Fight what? a good fight. Like, <laughs> who came up with that brilliant idea? Well, what about candy flipping or, like, oh. when you take ecstasy and, and acid? Yeah. Well, who came up with that? Um, and made a name up for it. These people, like, they're always coming up with new and better things. Do you want to do ecstasy? Uh, I do, but... Do you want to do it with acid? Yeah. And we'll call it candy flipping? Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll candy flip. Meanwhile, like, this is 8, 12, 14 hours later, you're stuck to a wall going, oh, now I know what it's called. I feel like if the ecstasy, when you take ecstasy, it forces you to have a good time. Uh-huh. But then that wears off after, like, four hours, and then you have another four hours or eight hours of acid. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Well, isn't that what Molly is all about? It gives you the thrills of one drug mixed with a bunch of other crap. I have no idea. So it's like I have so much ecstasy and so much cocaine. I got to keep it in one bag. Do you want some? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god! You mean this powder is actually cut with shit? I yeah. just thought it was simple ecstasy and cocaine. Gather around, children. <laughs> keep it simple. One bag, <laughs> cocaine, and then you could have baby laxatives or whatever crap. And then how about pills and not powder ecstasy? Pills are big now. Um, not for me, but oh, like yeah. a lot of people love pills, painkillers. Yeah, a lot of uh, Prince, I believe. Prince, Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, 
I, me, if I get, I don't know. I've taken fill. I'm not crazy about pills. Yeah, I'm not really yeah, big, I'm on, not you know, big on painkillers. Never really did anything for me. Hey, so part of this movie, they showed that it was in Martha's Vineyard. Supposedly, John Belushi and um, James Taylor used to do heroin together. <laughs> and they would go off to Martha's Vineyard. And they actually, their wives, Carly, Carly Simon and uh, John Belushi's wife, tried to do an intervention. What are we watching right now? The Real Corners? Or, uh, no, these are actors. The Real Corners of Beverly Hills. Well, because they're showing John Belushi's body and the way the coroner is fencing off the cameraman. I can't tell if this is real footage or just from the movie. Brutal job, coroner. This, the guy is showing the, the scene from Martha's Vineyard was Judy calling up Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward is a, a character in this movie. The author of this book is a character in this movie. So the widow calls up the, actor, uh, the journalist and says, can you write a book, uh, story expose? Meanwhile, the, the dead spirit and his guardian angel are smoking in a diner booth, reading the newspaper. Hmm. Why, um, was Woodward part of the scene, or did he just inject himself because he's a narcissist? He's not in the book. He, it's a, it's a very uh, good, if thorough investigation of John Belushi, but he's not a character in his own book. In the movie, he's a character. And, you know, there was William Casey, the CIA director. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he wrote Wired, he wrote a book uh, which included a purported deathbed uh, confession from the, the general, which a lot of people disputed. And I bring this up because they make a joke about this. In the uh, movie? Yeah, about Bob Woodward's uh, controversial deathbed interview. Hmm. Because he shows, he shows up... John Woodward's going to show... I'm giving away this movie, and we're watching it in yeah, the now. Don't tell me what happens. What <laughs> happens? Oh, God. Did we lock the door? Michael Chiklis with hair. Yeah, I know. And he's, he has, like, an everyman face. I don't think he looks like Belushi. Ray Sharkey plays his, car- his guardian angel from Puerto Rico. Where all uh, guardian angels are from. It's just a character choice. So I don't know why it has any relationship to John Belushi. And I don't think John Belushi would act this way. In his personal life, do you think he would be hanging out at the back of a cab? I think that if John Belushi ever did come back to life, the first thing he would do is try to find his drug dealer. (laughs) Second thing, kill James Belushi. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. (laughs) According to my knife. I think it was um, Andy Kindler or... Uh, I, I hope it's Andy Kindler because I don't want to credit someone else uh, for this joke, but someone was talking about Jim Belushi and said, uh, who died and gave him a career? <laughs> <laughs> Should we take this call? Sure. All right. Mini Radio FM, you're on the air. Hi there. I think I left my bike helmet there last night. Okay. Did anybody leave one? Uh, I don't see a bike helmet here in the studio. Uh, let me just, uh, scan around for a second. That's a black one. Well, I'm right now on the air in the in the studio, but from what I can see here, I don't I don't see it. I could leave a note. Uh, do you mind taking a look for a black helmet? Uh, a what? A black helmet? Helmet? Bicycle helmet? Sure. Sure. We're gonna take a look for you. It might be in the uh, in the big room, the performance space. Um, no. Yeah. No, we don't see it. Sorry. Okay. 
Thank you so much. I Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, good luck. Uh, thanks for letting us put you on the air. Okay, bye. Well, that was close. That was right. <laughs> hey, so do you want this new bike helmet I have? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's 10 bucks. <laughs> why, why, yes, I am interested in long-distance savings. Uh, if anyone is interested in a bike helmet, I have one for sale here at beautyradio.fm. Yeah. I just found it. Ten Fourth caller will get it. Oh, that's a bummer. You lose your helmet. Have you done that, like lose your helmet? No, I don't have a helmet. I know everybody makes fun of, or everybody thinks I'm an idiot, but I don't wear a helmet on my bike. Yeah, but you know, you ride on the sidewalk and you ride at a slow pace, and everyone feels sorry for you. So yeah, it's you true. You really need a helmet. <laughs> I I feel like I I grew up in the '70s, so uh, if I can live through that, I can live through anything. Do you uh, when you ride behind someone on, when you're riding on the sidewalk? Do you actually say behind, or do you just sit by, expecting me not to walk into you? I don't ride on the sidewalk. I'm I, I I'm not a monster. <laughs> it's okay. Look, if if you don't have enough balls to ride on the sidewalk, then you should ride on. The, on I mean, on the street, you should ride on the sidewalk. I don't want you to get hurt. I would. As a pedestrian, I don't want bicyclists to get hurt. So if they're too wimpy to ride on the streets, then by all means, that's, that's share one, the sidewalk with me. That's one thing that I really hate is that, like, when bicyclists hit pedestrians, where it's like, <laughs> here's, well, I mean, like, I know I'm going out on a limb here, uh, but, like, here's the rules of the road. If you're bigger than somebody, you defer to them. Like, if you're in a car... And you can you do a lot of damage to a bicyclist, right. so you defer to them. And if you're on a bicycle, you can do a lot of damage to a pedestrian, so you defer to them. Right. And so when people don't can't grasp that basic concept, it makes me crazy. Well, as a pedestrian, I always stop for bicyclists and motorcyclists because those two uh, people can get the most fucked up ever. Oh, you yeah. Know? So I, th- I feel like a bicyclist, if they get into an accident, it's going to hurt worse than I'm going to get hurt. Yeah, as a pedestrian. So I always let the bicyclists, I always let ped, uh, motorcyclists go first. I never walk in front of a mo- yeah, motorcyclist. Yeah, I, I got into a motorcycle accident a while ago, and that's it's not pretty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. still in one piece. You have that crazy yeah. look. And you don't wear a helmet? <laughs> well, I mean, I did, was wearing a helmet when I, got, I laid down my mo- motorcycle. But uh, now when I'm riding my bicycle, I don't wear a helmet. That was two years ago? It was about four years ago. God, yeah. I remember. Someone tell me about your motorcycle accident. We'll get back to this movie later. Yeah, well, I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I just like took a curve, uh, like a curve too fast, and uh, laid it down, laid the bike down, and I was like, I thought like, oh man, I'm totally fine. And then I went to the hotel where in the small town I was staying at. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna be totally fine. And I just realized, oh, as every minute that goes by, my back is like hurting more and more and I was like this is stupid I got into a motorcycle accident I'm going to the hospital and uh, yeah then the doctor x-rayed me up and down and came in and said hey here's the thing I can't find anything wrong with you you're going to wake up tomorrow feeling like you played football against the Green Bay Packers and uh, I'm going to give you some painkillers so there you go and was it like an emergency damage like I mean was it what like, did it need to be treated immediately, or? No, they just, like, they basically, like, said, like, you really hurt yourself, but you nothing's wrong. God. All right, let's do it. Mini Radio FM, you're on the air. Oh, good, it's Gail. You're taking on your calls? Yeah, it's Sweet Gail. Woohoo! Yeah. Sweet Gail. Sweeter than ever. I'm always looking for some place to take my on your calls. So what are you doing? Go ahead and make a call. I'm making my call. You are my call. What is the subject? Does it matter? 
No, it doesn't matter because I got diarrhea of the mouth. I got one of those peculiar phone calls where they call you up and tell you the IRS is after you. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Gail, uh, sweet Gail, what is your opinion on John Belushi and his untimely death? Oh, man, all those deaths get me so messed up. Like the guy from Star Trek that just got blown up in his car. Oh. I mean, they got it made. They could be having a good time, and they end up dying. Shit. I mean, all that money and everything. So, what do they do? They die. But I want to talk about Jim Belushi. Do you, do you know, remember Jim Belushi? Jim Belushi? I thought you meant John Belushi. John Belushi. Yeah, John Belushi. The late John Belushi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're talking about today. We're watching a movie about John Belushi and about how this woman in the hotel, uh, Marmont, shot him up. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Did you remember hearing the news? Oh, yeah, I know that. How about the other guy, Chris Farley? Oh, yeah. What about Chris Farley? Up on his big high rise. He was in a, he had a, like a big, he lived in a big high rise apartment. He was made too. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with these people. They were both 33 years old, by the way, when they died. Really? Yeah, both of them. It's the yeah, same. They could be having a good old time, and what do they do? They want to jab themselves with needles. What the hell is that? Well, that, they yeah, that's... needles when, when they have to take blood or something. Well, I think with John Belushi, he was doing a lot of cocaine and other stuff, and then they became injections. Well, well that was their idea of a good time. Yeah. Well, so Gail, that's so sweet Gail, That's what we're talking about right now. So, uh, uh, tell me, tell me what one other thing you want to tell us about because it's great to have you here. And then we're going to keep going with this movie we're oh, watching. Because they called me up and left voicemail and said the IRS were taking a lawsuit up against me. IRS records. You know these scams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, just because the brother is the manager of the police doesn't mean IRS Records has a right to do that to you. Yeah, it's a scam. You got to look at the email address. You got to make sure it's a government. It's... I don't got to do shit. I'll tell you what some woman told me years ago, and I'm going to repeat it. I was explaining to her how to do some kind of a job, and she got really enraged with me and says, I don't need to do anything but black and die. Stay black and die. Yeah, I've heard and that. She got to, I, you think I played into her crap? I don't even know. There's a lot of I'll truth in that. I'll tell you what I did. I deleted it, and then I called the police. And if they call me back again, I'm going to save it, and I'm going to call the police and play it to them over the phone. Because I've seen these news stories. They scared people so much, telling them they're going to go to jail, that you got to go out and get the money right now and send it to us. And these poor people do it. They get suckered. Yeah, well, you know, all you have to do is say it a hundred times, and there's one sucker that'll make it worth it. Sweet Gail, thank you so much. We're gonna we're gonna go on. We we are in the middle of watching this movie. What's and the, the name of the movie? It's called Wired. The Fast is Times. It's like a biography of Belushi. Yeah, oh, yeah. it came out uh, in 1989, and we're watching oh, it on I YouTube. Time. Thanks for giving me time. No problem. I'll talk to you again. Call me back next Sunday, okay? Two Sundays from now. All right. Well, that was Sweet Gail. Yeah, I haven't heard from her in a while. Yeah, she, uh, Jeff Cleary here uh, is very familiar with the comedy scene here mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and Sweet Gail is one of the many performers here up our own asses. Uh, speaking of which, we are. I think this is uh, 
J.T. Walsh plays Bob Woodward. And J- oh, I know J.T. Walsh. Now, now that I see his yeah, face. Yeah, it looks like a sad sack, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. came home and his wife's fucking his best friend. And yep. it doesn't matter because he has only two bullets in his gun. And what is for his best friend anyway? I think uh, I do very vividly remember him killing himself in the movie. Um, not all the president's men. It's the um, what's the Tom Cruise military Oh, uh, sure. The one that I couldn't handle the truth with. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. A few good men. A few good men. Not not all the the president's men. A few good men. They don't overlap. There's no Venn diagram on this. There's a lot of men in both those movies. He's having a dream, and I don't think it's... Or it's supposed to be a sketch. It's Nixon as a conehead. Oh, God. So these sketches that they do, pretending to be Saturday Night Live movies, are just even worse than anything I've ever seen. Even Fridays were funnier than. Wow. Than this, yeah. It's weird that you said that there's no mention of Dan Aykroyd in this movie because it's so hard to get around that. I, I mean, think it is Dan Aykroyd, but there's a lot of names are not in it. Okay. In yeah. Like their manager's name's not in it. Like Dan Aykroyd is, but their manager's name's not. Wow. I heard that there's a lot of people who are gonna like a lot of actors who said that they would not do this movie. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of young actors. Michael Chiklis is a young, hungry actor in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Michael so Chiklis is like, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell. Hell yeah. There's a whole cottage industry of, like, VH1 unauthorized uh, behind-the-story movies like this. <clears throat> as long as they look like the actor from Saved by the Bell, then you could do a Saved by the Bell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But Saturday Night Live has always been a sacred cow, though. There hasn't been many, like, behind-the-scenes docudramas of SNL. I guess the, there was a book about SNL uh, that just came out that supposedly is really comprehensive. Well, there's a famous one, the Live from Studio 8H or whatever, where they keep doing ad, uh, updates. So that covers huh. the 40 years. Uh, I do recommend that one. I know, uh, and Jay Moore wrote a really good book called Gasping for Airtime, where he talks about... First half of the book is how bad SNL is. And then at the end of the book, he goes, oh, I ripped off Rick Shapiro. I did one of his sticks as a, I pitched it, and we produced it. And then they had to pay him off. And uh, this, Really? Yeah, and then I got fired. Wow, Rick Shapiro. Whew. Like I've, uh, I've hung out with that guy a few yeah. times. And uh, let me tell you something. It's not an act. It's not. Well, you know what? I um, uh, My brother and I saw him in New York 15, 20 years ago, and he performed with his brother, and it was an hour show, and it was great. And all I can say is that in the first 10 minutes, he whipped out his dick, and then there was still 50 <laughs> minutes more of the show. <laughs> Usually, wow. I, you wait till the end of the 60 talk about, minutes. Talk about burying the lead. He goes, like, this is my white lie right here, my white lie stick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but there was like 16 more bits. There's Alex Rockoff. Oh, yeah. Mo I'm Green. Mo Green. You know who I am? If he doesn't get shot in the eye, I don't want to watch it. He played uh, Jennifer Lopez's father in The Wedding Planner, which Ooh. is a great Saturday, uh, Saturday great uh, San Francisco movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he lives in North Beach, and they go to the Ferris wheel in Golden Gate Park in The Wedding Planner. It's one of the best Saturday, uh, Saturday night, <laughs> best San Francisco movies I've seen. The Ferris wheel in Golden Gate Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. The yeah. Ferris wheel in Golden Gate Park. Uh, yeah. It's like the problem with Bullet. Like, if you live in San Francisco and you watch the famous car chase yeah. scene in Bullet, it's like none of it is makes but any sense. Everything else is accurate. I mean, he goes to North Beach. He goes to Grace Cathedral. He hangs out in North Beach. He goes to the Black Cat. He goes to Enrico's yeah. or whatever. Like, all those places exist. You yeah. Know? Like, those are walking distance. That makes sense to me. But in the uh, in the car chase, it's like he, he turns the corner. Stuff. He's in Chinatown, and he turns the corner, and he's on Ocean 
by the great highway. <laughs> but you know, and he uh, he chases. He puts the the guy they're looking for. He hides him out in an apartment underneath the Mercadero Freeway. I moved here after '89, so I've never seen that. Yeah, before. me too. And so that that's always interesting to me that there was these crazy housing underneath there as well. If you go back and watch um, Rattle and Hum, the uh, YouTube yeah. movie, there's they're having a uh, concert at Justin Herman Plaza, and you can see the Embarcadero Freeway right behind them, and it must have been shot right before the earthquake. That 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 uh, public art in Justin Herman was designed with the freeway in mind. Oh, really? So it makes more sense to have these jutting tubes and pikes next to a freeway exit. Wow. So. Yeah, I, I've never lived here when that freeway was up, but I can't yeah. imagine it being there. Yeah, it just seems like it would be horrible. We moved around the same time, like in the mid-90s. Or yeah, yeah. Early I, 90s. Early 90s yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was after the earthquake. Speaking of, speaking of Saturday Night Live, yeah. uh, do you ever go back and watch SNL and see Chris Farley jumping around, like sweating like a pig, and just think, wow, I kind of played a role in... Laughing at that. And laughing at, I mean, it's the like. The Chippendales, the Chippendales, like, there's no, like, comedy, good comedy works at several different levels. There's one level in that. that oh, yeah, absolutely. It's him with his shirt off, just acting like, you know, it's. Just sweat. It's, yes. Sweating, sweating bullets. Like, you know, and when he's doing the motivational speaker and he's doing, he's like this 300 pound guy doing these flips and smashing into coffee tables. And I'm just like, everyone's like, oh, that's so fucking funny. And it's just like, and people are like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, when no, we, he's yeah. on dr- he's on drugs. Yeah, no, it's painful, but he's also, like, drinks six espressos before the show. Like, he would just wolf down as much caffeine as possible as well. But, yeah, it's, you see, you know, you look at yourself watching him sweating with his bolting belly. Like, you go, that's me, and yeah. I wouldn't do that on national television. But he's doing that, and you just go, I feel so empathetic to this guy. Well, it's like when he was alive, everybody's just like, oh, this is great. And now that he's dead and you watch it, you're like, oh, that guy needs some help. But there's no one fearless like him. There's no other performer who was as fearless as him. Like, on oh, Saturday yeah. Night Live, to do something like that? No. I mean, you don't see that that often. And maybe there's a reason for it. And he got a lot of fatty fall-down roles. You know, Black Sheep, he kept tripping over hills and cliffs and stuff like that. All that physical comedy stuff. Yeah. And remember when Farley died right after that, David Spade had another movie come out, and I think he was with Artie Lang or something like sure, that. Sure, that was Lost and Found, maybe, where he, he abducted a dog of a pretty girl that a pretty girl owned. Uh, all I could think of is that, like... Um, David Spade, who's supposedly Chris Farley's like best friend, and he's just like, "Oh, he's dead. I'll just find another fat guy." No, that's you know, <laughs> he he does play. He plays a. Uh, he gets obsessed by David Spade in that movie, and he comes in dressed like David Spade, and he goes, "David Spade's like, oh great, a single white female, you know, <laughs> uh, you're gonna kill me." Uh, but yeah, it's a really young Artie Lang, though. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. He, it's one of those like six years later, it doesn't look like him at all, you know, like Alec Baldwin <laughs> type of switch or whatever. Yeah, Alec Baldwin, man. I mean, I, I, we're all getting older, but Alec Baldwin, he used to be this just a stunning, handsome guy. <laughs> and now you see him, you're just like, what? I wouldn't say on? Alec Baldwin looks bad, but in the bio, the young one is played by Paul Dano, and the old one's played by John Cusack. <laughs> I finally saw that movie yesterday. Which movie? Uh, oh. Love and Valor or Love and Mercy. Oh, that's... Um Brian Wilson? Yeah. Yep. It's like, you like Spider-Man? You like Brian Wilson? Here's the Spider-Man Brian Wilson movie. And <laughs> everyone in that niche will pay to see it. <laughs> Not, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen either of those movies. And I've heard a lot of the people say that Brian Wilson is a genius. Yeah. And uh, I've never actually said, well, I'm going to go and examine this. Well, he has a fa- he he lives he lives a fascinating life. He lives like a million lives in one. So it, it is a fascinating story. And the music I always like. 
Uh, Is he a crazy person? Yeah. Okay. He uh, and they talk about the voices inside his head. He was he had severe issues and it was never treated accurately. You know, it was never given the the respect that needed. So now we're going to his childhood house. We just watched a bunch of SNL. We talked over a bunch of SNL sketches that don't exist in real life and would never be on television in any form. I'm assuming that John Belushi is from Chicago. Yeah, he's I mean, from the. It has to be right. Fat side of Chicago. He was from the Belushi side. If he, uh, if he lived, what do you think he'd be doing right now? Probably not watching this movie. I think about that a lot. You know, I do. Like if Jimi <laughs> Hendrix was alive, yeah, or yeah. if it. Well, I mean, look at his. Look at Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd did a lot of great business dealings with Hard Rock Cafe and House of Blues, and made a lot of money off of that. Oh, yeah, and right. he started his own vineyard. You know, like the Danny DeVito, Tommy Smothers. Kind what of is route. it with people who get a lot of money and they're just like, oh, I'm gonna now I'm gonna make wine. Every. Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, Coppola. Yeah. The lead singer of the band Tool. You know that metal band Tool. Sure. Maynard James Keen. That's he what like he's doing. retired to like Arizona. Now he makes wine. So if you make so much money, I mean, you could go to Steve Martin around and get an art collection going. Maybe. Uh-huh. Uh Maybe you could go get the foundations created. Um, Robert Redford. Was it Paul Newman who did his charity cookies? Oh, so yeah. He's selling shitty product, but <laughs> under pretense of charity, because he, he doesn't need the money as a celebrity. It's like uh, there's plenty. There's, there's more room for uh, shitty products out here. I think Dan Aykroyd did the right route, which is he invested in House of Blues. He invested in the Hard Rock Cafe, and he made more money. Like the 50 Cent making money off of the, the vitamin water. So you make real oh, right, money. Yeah. And then with that, you don't have to rely on your good looks and your comedic chant. You know, like, That's true. You know. Um, what happened? Did you see the second Blues Brothers movie? Yeah, I saw it in the theater twice. I saw the St. Really? Francis, and I saw it at. Oh, you know. So uh, you're the one who saw it twice. Well, there was a movie theater on Polk Street that was closing. Uh, there was oh, two. Oh, the Alhambra. Movie. Yeah, the Alhambra, and then there was uh, there was another one. Like, I think it was the Alhambra. Yeah. So they showed Boogie Night as their final movie, but the penultimate night it was Blues Brothers 2000. So I saw it there. Oh. And, you know, I'm a fan of John Landis, but it was a kind of a cartoony movie. Right. And it, it ends with some supernatural stuff. And it's basically a white kid with sunglasses and an upturned collar. You know, Buster Blues, they introduced this boy. Do they ever explain why uh, Jake is uh, not there? Yeah, he he's waiting outside, and they say, will you tell him the news? And, like, he, he goes outside. So Jake, the Dan Aykroyd, comes out of jail in the beginning of the movie. And he's waiting for his brother to pick him up. And then the guard, who is Frank Oz, comes out and says, he's not coming or something like that. Oh, and, okay. And then, so it says that, that the John Belushi character is dead. Is dead. Yeah. And, and they're like, oh, but we got John Goodman. He, he's John another Goodman. fat guy. Yeah. We don't have Jim Belushi, no, noticeably. And we also have – so they have John Goodman, and then they have a white boy who's like a blue sensation, he shows up too. And then it winds up Joe Morton uh, is their brother because of Cap Calloway. That oh. character had a legitimate son, and he's a law official, a police official chasing after him. But at the end, at a revival tent or something, uh, he puts on sunglasses, and he gets the light so much so that Joe Morton yep. floats in the air, jumps out of the tent, goes right in the sky, looks into the camera, goes, I got the light, or whatever, and comes down and right. puts on his Blues Brothers glass, and he becomes a Blues Brother. Hmm. So, yeah, it's a little... It's not the worst movie in the world. I mean, I like John Belushi, but... I mean, I like uh, John Landis, but it's, you know, it's not as fast. There's a real... Uh... When I saw in the St. Francis, people were yawning, and then when J- John, uh, James Brown came out, people stood. 
Second, really? Yeah. You ever been to St. Francis where the no, it was a market where they're building that oh, new yes. shopping center? I have remember. I, I have it, been there. It was a double feature movie house that had two screens, one upstairs and one below. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was funny when uh, you had to call cops at three o'clock. I remember <laughs> running out of the theater, going to the lobby payphone with my friend and putting a bunch of quarters on top of the phone and calling in cops at three o'clock on Monday, and then going back to the movie. Wow. Yeah. That's before everything, of course. Speaking of which, we're watching more Blues Brothers stuff, or Brothers Blues, according to the screen. Oh, is that what it's... Oh, so did they have to change it? I don't Brothers know. Brothers Blues. But, you know, they're doing whatever they, they call on it. If they want to change it from Blues Brothers to Brothers Blues, then let's follow our, our muse. Who's playing Dan Aykroyd in this? I don't know. It looks like the Blues Brothers. You it can does. see the movies. Blues Brothers came out in the 80s, too. So you can either see the original or you mm-hmm. can see people pretending to be them. Blues Brothers, the last one was called, what, Blues Brothers 2000? Yeah, and that came out in 98. You know, when right before the turn of the century, when everything was like, yeah, 2000. It's like, that's supposed to be mind-blowing. Like, can you believe <laughs> it? The year 2000? And now it's 2016. People are just like, yeah, who cares? I always thought, because John Landis is such an exploitation, exploitation movie buff and, and spirit that he was kind of making fun of it with that title as well. Oh, really? Yeah, like Death Race 2000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John Landis. What was his last movie? He did a film with uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Andy Sedaris, uh, the, the guy who plays Gollum. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's about two oh, real-life yeah. grave diggers. And I wish I could remember the title of it. It's their names. But in, huh. during the turn of uh, century England, they used to supply medical corpses to the uh, medical institutes. And the story has it by killing people in the street. Have you seen the TV show The Nick? I haven't seen that, Nick. That's a big part of that show because, like, in that, like, the turn of the, from, right, right around 1900. Yeah. Like, in order to work on and find out uh, and learn about surgery, like, these um, basically corners were, would go out and they'd fight people for dead bodies. That's so crazy. Well, yeah. in, this, in this movie, the joke is that they would always try to get a constant supply of dead bodies for yeah. the schools. Yeah. And, like, the administrator of the hospital is like, look, we can't we can't go forward unless we have more dead bodies. So, like, they would race out to, like, accidents, find that someone's dead, and take the body. So crazy. They still no. do that. That's the crazy part. Those are the days. Uh, we are. How far are we into this movie? I wish uh, we could pay more closer attention to the movie. I remember when this movie came out in New Jersey, uh, the movie theater closed after airing this film. Really? Yeah, and I went to see it. It was a Christmas release, like, in late December, and... Uh, it was so mind-numbingly. If you're watching this movie, you know what we're talking about. Just numbingly bad, and uh, just coming out of there like brain cells popped. Like, it's it's, and the fact that it was still fresh, you know, like it would be the equivalent of making a movie about I don't, uh, Amy Whitehouse movie. Well, Amy Winehouse, yeah. Winehouse. I guess yeah. the documentary kind of covers her life, so I guess that's been covered. But oh, just, now we're getting to the drugs. Oh, look at that. He sure likes that salt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Blue, it's easy on the salt. It's a huge pile of it. Man, like, cocaine was so big in the 80s, wasn't it? You know, during the 90s when we moved to San Francisco, it was heroin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. uh, because I remember, like, remember uh, at the beginning of the 90s, it was like the grunge. Yeah. That was when grunge was really big, and everybody in Seattle was doing heroin. Oh, that's. Yeah. I had a lot of friends who chased the dragon, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to, like, the symbol for Seattle is the Space Needle, and everybody's sticking needles into their arm. Ah, I never thought of that one. Oh, by the way, I think they're showing a different movie altogether right now. This must be the, the fake commercial. 
in Saturday Night Live. It's two people talking. Oh, this is Bob no, Woodward talking to the widow at Martha's Vineyard. That's why it looks so idyllic. It looks like a Viagra commercial. Yeah, it looks like they're going to... There's going to be like uh, causes or what side effects with, include. All those like Viagra, all those like erectile dysfunction commercials, they're all like so well adjusted. Yeah. You know, they're just like, oh, well, these two old people who really want to have sex with each other. And I like, always look at the women's eyes. Like yeah. in those Viagra commercials, I always look in the, the model's eyes. I'm like, come on, tell me if that's good for you. Because otherwise, you know. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's only probably about 40% of their business. The other 40% is like tweaked out. <laughs> tweaked out sex tourists like in Thailand well, you could candy flip with some uh, Viagra too or like you, you've seen the movie uh, of course you've seen Entourage the movie right no so they uh, Eden <laughs> realized it but Johnny uh, Drama gave him water that had like ecstasy and Viagra in it like a bottle of water and I'm like God, that's a storyline for 2015. Like, yeah, really. You paid you paid somebody to write that. Yeah, to pay. The, and what it is, it's like you're giving like, that's awful. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's against the law. <laughs> it's against the law to give somebody tainted water like that. It really is. And what's the taint to it? Viagra and ecstasy? You fucking that guy could have a heart attack and die. Did he get a priapism? Is that what it's called? Oh, when you have that erection. Did you have an erection for like four hours. I, so a friend of mine told me they were in Las Vegas and there was like all these kiosks in Las Vegas and one of them was that they will give you this uh, injection you get it like above your penis and they'll give you an erection and they gave it to him but they gave maximum dose wait a minute I haven't been to Vegas in a while this, this is just a kiosk yeah like a kiosk when you're, you're walking like, around you're walking around you just I like stick your dick indoors. in it yeah you stick your dick in the kiosk <laughs> it was in the stick your dick in it wing of the uh, <laughs> stick your dick in a casino uh, yeah, so, and, but they had to go to the hospital because they gave like four times the amount. Wow. And that he was like, he had, couldn't stop the erection and he couldn't, the blood was stopping and like, wow. Yeah. Supposedly the, you know how they found out or how they discovered, um, of Viagra is that, uh, they were trying to, they were testing for a blood circulation sort of drug that they were going to give to people who have like high blood pressure or some shit like that. And so when they gave it to their subjects, they would interview them and they'd say, oh, are there any side effects? And they're like, well, guess what, doc? <laughs> That's what's going on down in the basement. And uh, they were like, oh, fuck, like high blood pressure medication. <laughs> this is our new, and it's like the biggest like drug Yeah, this paid ever. for our research. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever taken one. I, I think I would have a heart attack. I yeah, mean, I've, I've never taken my, one either, but, yeah. like, it's... Uh, not without ecstasy, I should preface it. I, oh, yeah. I can only take my drugs, like... <laughs> I only, I only I like to combine drugs. drugs. And I give it a silly name, so it's not, like, terrible. I mean, Belushi died of an eight ball. But eight yeah. ball is so adorable. What a great comic book. It's, really edgy. Oh, it yeah, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, yeah sounds Daniel great. Klaus. <laughs> so, yeah, but people... It reminds me, like, people who are nostalgic for the 90s, they don't realize that a lot of us were dealing with heroin, like, or people who our friends were dealing with heroin. Yeah. That it was it existed as a thing. Well, it's like you any any documentary that has takes place in the '80s. It's just like the, there's like at least ten minutes dedicated to the cocaine use. Yeah, sure. It's like I just watched the Daryl Strawberry uh, Doc Gooden documentary, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, those guys were on the Mets. They were, and like everybody on the Mets was doing coke. But part of the cocaine in the '80s was money. So if you didn't have the money, it's yeah. you know, it's not as glamorous. And also, crack cocaine came out of the '80s too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, was it uh, Dennis Leary who said like, yeah, only in America where cocaine's not intense enough yeah, right, so yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to like engineer it's crack so cocaine well that's what I mean like about entourage it's like the glass of water oh he's doing a samurai bit 
but it's not like any bit you see and like it's gonna look really strange so he's playing baseball or some crap like that like look it looks like the Abbott Costello uh, who's our first routine he's got a uh, backdrop of people in bleachers and he's batting up with three ble- I don't remember this Saturday Night Live bit I don't remember yeah. recalling on the box set or on my CISO, CISO subscription yeah, you're not going to see the scene in CISO. He's a, uh, oh, wow. So they're do, he's doing the samurai. He's playing the samurai character at a baseball game, not yeah. in a deli. Right, and he's batting. He's, he's up to bat, and he's doing all that. Oh, another 80s movie with some Asian overture, uh, racist jokes. I don't. I think they got Chickless because he, he's a good actor, but he also was willing to do this role. Yeah, I yeah. mean, come on, if... Any of us were uh, struggling actors, yeah. and someone said, "Hey, do you want to do this movie that everybody's going to be pissed off at you about?" And you'd be like, "Sure, I'll do it." Well, you can't. No one gets pissed off anymore because the estates of these deceased stars have more control. So if you're going to have a notorious B.I.G. movie, it's going to be authorized. Oh, it's really? Tell, yeah, like huh. I don't think it was unauthorized the B.I.G. story, that movie. But this is totally unauthorized. Yeah. Yeah, they never would have signed off on this. This routine is horrifying. Wow. I mean, people paid... I paid money to sit in the theater to watch this. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, you're not... Yeah, I was really like, what a ripoff. He's pretending to go up to bat, but he's doing a lot of shtick, and the bat is a samurai sword. Uh, Please, give me a call if you remember this bit (laughs) from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, exactly. If you've done a lot of acid and uh, you remember this bit that never happened, give us a call. Yeah, I think this was written by uh, Michael O'Donoghue, this bit. Oh, right. That guy was great. Yeah, it was great. Him and Buck Henry wrote the uh, samurai baseball scene. Oh, and he he found food in his... uh, He's now eating a hot dog. I'm telling you, like, not even Jim Belushi would do this routine. (laughs) Even Jim Belushi is like, that's beneath me. Yeah, no, I would never do that. It doesn't make any sense. It, it lacks focus. What's your favorite Jim Belushi movie? That's a great question. Uh, Mr. Somebody or oh. uh, where he was a bully. That, uh, oh, you know, Trading Places. He was really funny yeah, at yeah, the end was... of that. Uh, Jim Belushi is fine. I like Jim Belushi. I always give crap just because according to Jim, is a funny sitcom, like funny as a punchline sitcom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it went on for like 20 seasons and they all took place in every Disney property that ABC had to shill, you know. He was in K-9, right? That's right. Uh, there was Turner and Hooch. That wasn't him. No, it was uh, K-9 and then there was a uh, Top Dog. He was in K-9. You're absolutely right. Air Bud? He was on an Air Bud. Oh, there was a new like Air Bud rodeo where this monkey rides Air Bud. You know, they've done like some like seven Air Bud movies. Yeah, Air Buddies. <laughs> it's like yeah this time now he's playing lacrosse I mean what kind of kids would sit and go wow I can't wait for that I love I watch this video all the time oh this routine is still going on and you know like it's a movie so the, the sketches are going to symbolize his moment in, in his lifetime so he's pretending to be victorious I guess yeah this, this whole scene um, is supposed to symbolize a bad movie like if you, even if you hit it you don't dance around the home plate you run to first base so it doesn't even make sense there. You know, like, I always feel like a good comedy has people watching, and so it's funny to see, like, a backdrop of fake people watching that routine. <laughs> oh, all right, so there's the... Oh, so now we're getting into the drugs. Yeah, so there's John Good, uh, Woodward actually shooting up like he was Belushi the night of. Uh-huh. So the... It's so wait, it's not the, even in the book. So it's the, the woman who shot him up? And yeah, Kathy Smith. Kathy Smith that came out of my brain. That's the name of the woman who Kathy shot him. Kathy Smith. So that's not his wife? No, he wasn't with his wife during that, that time. Huh. 
You know, so I should mention, too, that when the book came out, Judith uh, uh, Belushi said, I'm going to write my own book. And sure enough, last Sunday, I was waiting in line at Aquarius Amoeba Records in San Francisco. And, you know, Amoeba has a book section. Really? And it takes me back to Tower Records books. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And they had the Belushi book by Judy Belushi. And I said, this makes sense. The official estate version book by Judy Belushi is the ultimate Tower Records book you could find. You know, like <laughs> if you go to Tower Records book section, you're going to find the official Belushi book. Wow. Yeah, I remember those, those Tower Records this days. Is this is based on a real story about how Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi went, drove off to the desert and came up with the Coneheads. Oh, really? Yeah. They took acid and they came up with all these ideas. Wait. Let's see where it is. I just kind of feel like like the Coneheads is not something I need to know the origin story of. Well, how else do you want to know the origin of the movie? You remember the movie? Talk about the Come, 90s. Oh, right, yeah, Jane Curtin. Yeah, yeah Jane Curtin and, like, uh, Jim, uh, Chris Farley is in there. He goes on a date to Subway, and they're eating Subway. Man, how many aliens has Jane Curtin played? I mean, I can think of two right okay. off the top of my head. Like Conehead? And uh, wasn't she in Third Rock from the Sun? That's right. Was she yeah. an alien or was she a neighbor? Oh, well. There's I a think ho- she was a coworker. She oh, was a there's foil. A, so there's a hole in my little theory here. The three, the three aliens were uh, Gordon, Jordan, Joseph Gordon, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Christy Johnson, and John Lithgow. John Lithgow, right? And then, uh, which I, he made the movie Raising Cain. Oh, and then right. he, then he went straight Brian, to television. <laughs> that's a Brian De Palmer film. Yeah, I've seen that. I remember that's one of those movies I saw the video, and when it was over, I hit rewound, and then I hit play again, and I watched the entire movie again. Really? Twice in a row. I'd never done that before. I just I was so dumb fucked by this movie. I don't remember ever seeing it. It's so many red herrings and so many false takes and false trips. It's a really funny movie. It's a crazy family that's it's him or it doesn't make any sense, but he gives such a performance that you can't imagine him making another movie. Like maybe he was a oh, bad really? guy in Cliffhanger or whatever, but he was done. In my eyes it's like you can't make another movie yet. Raising Kane was yeah. his mic drop? Yeah, it was his mic drop. <laughs> Peace I'm out. Done with you, Hollywood. He plays eight different characters in this movie who may be the same person, I forget the the, the final thing, but uh, it's so over the top. And yeah, then he did Third Rock, and it was like from the sun, and I was like, wow, that makes sense. And I've never really seen him in a convincing movie since. You know, I, I saw um, Trainwreck; he was funny, but he was still like, you know, is he an Oscar winner? I don't think so. I think he was nominated what for Garp. Yeah, I think he was nominated, nominated for, for Garp. Um, yeah, World According to Garp. Kathy Smith is in a room waiting to be interviewed. Uh, so she has that ju- that junky look. To so at this point, uh, this must be after he died. Yeah, this is after he died. <laughs> this movie uh, is about after his death. The spirit goes, visits his past while his wife has a investigator reporter investigate. I was looking at the IMDb page for this movie. Yeah. And the they don't have a picture of the poster for the movie. They just have a picture of her this actress oh that's funny that was the woman who killed him yeah yeah that's great the poster is like it's really gaudy I mean I posted it on Facebook but I felt like I'm cheapening the event because it's not a good poster it's kind of a Judy, Judy Belushi did the you ever see the Saturday Night Live book that came out shortly after the series first series run it's a it's a collection of the scripts and it has photographs and all the photographs are colored like the you know how the TV show had these like yeah. SNL they were colored by Judy Belushi. That was her job. She did all the extra coloring. So, uh, <laughs> what's your job? I um, I'm, I I'm color really, my husband. I'm really into uh, coloring books. 
I don't know, I forgot to find out that, but I like telling that story. I mean, I keep seeing these runners go by outside, and oh, I forget, it was the marathon this morning. Yeah, oh yeah. In SF. I know that my bus route went all over the place, and I got to sit with a mom with her kid, and I, mom and I were eyeballing each other because we we're like, this is not our normal route, because <laughs> it, it avoided Haight Street and avoided 16th Street. And I have to say, the driver was so nice. He, the operator, would always. This guy across the street was waving at him, and he stopped for him. A muni driver was nice. Yeah. Wow. But it's he, like seeing a straight unicorn. Yeah. Right. Well, we didn't go off Haight Street. We didn't go off Stanion. We went around to the. Uh, we went from the Richmond District to the Sunset District, and then went up Waller. Uh, and that's when the mom panicked and got. And he let her off at the right at the spot she wanted. And wow. then we avoided 16th. We went right down to 18th. 18th of Bryan. He stopped the car. He goes, "We're waiting for another driver." Oh, and he opened the door and all of us left because we're not going to sit around yeah, on 18th later. and Bryant. I'm just, you know, uh, I, I'm only two blocks away from where I need to be, but he was really nice to everybody. So, but yeah, the marathon, I'm by the park. So I get to see everyone run by and be supportive. Mm. Everyone had their SF marathon uh, jackets. Uh, everybody had like a medal. They had medals and they had blankets and they were waiting for yellow school buses to pick them off from Fulton <laughs> Street. Yeah, I woke up with a little bit of a hangover uh, today, and uh, then I got online and saw everybody posting photos of how, how they ran the marathon. I was like, wow. Did they know. run by 16th, by your place? Yes. Yeah. They run down 16th, and uh, I think they go over the bridge, don't they? Yep. They do, yeah. And it's a series. I've, I made this joke, and uh, I've recorded next week's episode already, but uh, it's very serious. Everyone has their clothes on. Right, and yeah. the, 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 you have to wear clothes. Cockring does not count. Oh as yeah, yeah, clothes. It's, it's not like Beta Breakers no. or anything like that, where you dress up in costume and can drink out. You have you have to pee down your leg. You can't go pee in in someone's bushes. I uh, I rode uh, the critical mass bike ride on Friday, and uh, like hardly anyone does it anymore, but it's still a lot of fun. It's funny it's still going on. I'm glad. Yeah. And but there's every month there's naked guys. Right on their, their on their bikes, yeah. Just like lo- the logistics of that. Can we get real? Like, so the seat? Do you see the seat go right up the guy's ass? Give me detail. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they, do you see like marks on the seat? I mean, there are seats on the bikes, so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the way I usually bicycle, it's it's up my ass anyway. But I have shorts and underwear to kind of. Yeah, I cannot imagine what is going through these guys' minds. I mean, at a certain point, I don't know what I don't know what the reasoning is. I'm a nudist. And well, now I have to ride my bike. Yeah, well, naked. Well, because you're supporting two important things in San Francisco: nudity and bicycling. Yeah, yeah. I like biking. I like people looking at my dick. <laughs> I was I was complaining more that he was doing Pokemon Go and he was in my way. <laughs> then he was on his phone. That was my big complaint. Uh, I have not joined the Pokemon Go no, uh, cult not. yet. I have a terrible phone. It's not going to upload any new apps. People make money off of apps, and it's like, ah, my phone can't upload another app. What, I don't need it. Somebody told me that uh, Apple, because they are in um, in concert with Pokemon Go, they've yeah. made $3 billion since the well, uh, the game came out. It's not a Nintendo product. It's, it's Niantic? A, yeah, Niantic, because Pokemon Company owns Pokemon, which they have a negotiation with Nintendo, but part of the negotiation is to go to other platforms like they're doing now. Huh. I mean, I believe it helps Nintendo out, but it's, you know, their stock took a dive when people when they had to spell it out, saying, look, we're not making top dollar off of this. Another company is making money, and we're making... Absurdity. Oh, so their, their stock tanked? It didn't tank, but it, it, it fell below than they expected because they were like, Pokemon Go is a, a global hit. Congratulations. And then they're like, oh, this is through another company and there's licensing. And Why didn't they just keep their mouth shut? 
Yeah, right. Take the money and run. <laughs> it's, no. it's like, oh, yeah, we're, everything's great over here. So they're in Hollywood right now doing what we always dreamed of doing, which is riding. Uh, oh, he's looking at his past self from the future. And he ha- he's also wearing a togo, right? This uh, is kind of like a... This is kind of like a Scrooge thing where, like, this Wonderful guy life. brings him, shows yeah, him all shows the shit thing. he did. But Scrooge only, to their credit, has three moments, three ghosts, three periods, to past, present, and future. Okay. This one has, like, 15 moments, 4,000 moments, and all of them are <laughs> Blues Brothers musical numbers. I am the ghost of heroin past. Yeah. <laughs> I am the ghost of neighbors. <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> it pisses me off. Neighbors. Well, the, the, that was his last movie, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was a good movie. movie. I think. He plays I against they play against type. Dan Aykroyd is a blonde shit uh asshole and uh Belushi is a meek uh, Miltos who uh and and Kathy Morterides in it. I saw that in the theater too. The eighties had a lot of sh- oversized movies that you could see in the theater with with like nothing in common or uh nothing but trouble, I mean. Whereas these crazy sets and Nothing but dr- Trouble. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Dan A- oh no, was that uh, John Landis? No, that was directed by Dan Aykroyd. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That was that had an amazing cast, wasn't it? It was like Demi Moore, Demi Moore when she was at yeah, the she was zenith cutest. of her yeah. career. Uh, somebody posted recently that uh, it's the, I believe, 35th, 30th or 35th anniversary of the movie Krull. Wow. And I saw that in a movie theater. I remember the video game, too. Oh, yeah, the video game was good. So they're watching uh, Animal House in the theater. So this must be in the year 1978. And he's doing the cafe scene, so they're reenacting all these movies for us. And, of course, he's drinking Pepsi. God forbid 80s film not have a fucking product placement for fucking <laughs> Pepsi. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Cobra. What the fuck do Cobra, you want to connect? Yeah, yeah, I remember it, that one. Well, they had a big Pepsi sign, like a neon sign on a rooftop that they fought at. It's like, why do you want to be connected with Gunshot? <laughs> oh, there's John Landis, the director. So they're showing the movie being shot, and there's John Landis, the director, an actor playing Landis. And he looks like Landis, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he's not cutting off Vic Morrow's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Too far. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. John, John Landis? He can make him comedy. The man he can make a comedy. He almost went to jail. I know. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty amazing. It was, it was pretty uh, bad. He killed three the three people died on the set, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah, Jennifer but, Jason Lee's not going to be working with him anytime soon. Why is that? Yeah, she's Vic Morrow's daughter. I didn't realize. I didn't connect the dots. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's a famous uh, uh, Eddie Murphy after coming to America. He said, John Landis has a, a chance of working with me as he has a chance working for Vic Morrow. He said that on the original uh, Arsenio Hall. And then they later, years later, they made Beverly Hills Cough 3 together. So, you know, that's how it goes. Hey, you know what? Uh, there's no beef that can't be smoothed over when people need money. This scene is a famous scene in the book, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Landis is telling, they're in the trailer of Blues Brothers, and Landis is telling a coked-out Belushi. He's going to flush all his coke down the trailer toilet. That's at least according to the book. The book is great. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't recommend the book more. And this movie is its own beast. You know, it's, it's a, a weird, hermetically sealed bad movie that uh, lives in a fantasy land. Doesn't he? Yeah. But he takes the coke, he's going to flush it down the toilet. Oh, oh, there's the toilet. God, I hate that. Party's over. Oh, yeah. yeah. He punches him out. That's, a, that's part of the story. This has got to be rock bottom for John Belushi, like getting punched out by, by John, John Landis. <laughs> the director Jesus. of fucking the stupids. Dude, like. That's how Tom Arnold obeyed, worked really well. He said, look, I punched out Belushi. I could punch you out, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is the stupids. I'll punch out every fat guy in here. <laughs> 
John Landis punching fatties. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Mo Green, how high his uh, his pants are up. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Like, what decade is this? What's up? Seventies, right? What's up, old people? Well, Blue uh, Blue Brothers was eighty one. No, no, it wasn't 81, was it? It was 79, 80? Mm, I think it was 80. 80. It seems like I'll an 80s film. 80 films are noticeable because it still has 70s fashion, but there's still like a burst of energy. Like, we can't wait to get rid of this shed this decade off. Yeah. People don't realize, like, films from the 80s look different from films from the 70s on purpose because they were trying to get away from 70s naturalism, you know? Oh, like, really? I feel that way. To live and die in L.A., all this stylized stuff that's dated now... But it was kind of a, a reaction to 70s cinema. Oh, yeah. Like all that sort of like Miami Vice stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I see that. Michael Mann. Yeah. Michael Mann. Like uh, there's a, a huge style. Like you know, things were more uh, thought out the background. This this is poorly shot. Like fuck. Like, Are they doing the same scene over again? <laughs> he still won't come out and shoot the Blues Brothers. Or so funny. Was it Animal House then? I guess I thought the story was Blues Brothers. They threw out the cocaine. And, uh, no, I mean, he, he was dressed like uh, Jake, uh, Jake. Jake, yeah. But they were showing him shooting the Animal House prior to that. I guess because they did two movies together. Did you listen to the National Lampoon Radio Hour? Any of the no. radio shows? It has John Belushi and Chevy Chase and Gilda Rander and oh, really? Christopher Guest in it. Brian Doyle Murray is very funny in him. Brian Doyle Murray is very funny. He's very funny. Uh, all I remember is going to the record store when I was a kid and looking through the comedy section and seeing National Lampoon's White Album. Yeah, sure. I remember that <laughs> album cover. It was like uh, some bunch of guys in KKK. Uh, in the studio. In the studio. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, in a band. I had that album, actually. I had all their albums. They, what were you expecting? Rock and roll. The best part of your 45, the whole. Well, what were you expecting? Uh, and then they had like uh, Shakespeare Knock Knocks, like knock knock who's there Ophelia Ophelia who Ophelia your old crotch for a change you creep <laughs> and they had uh, Christopher Street oh not yeah just oh a piece yeah. Of meat. yeah yeah Christopher Street Christopher Street it was like basically um, that, uh, Bert, Street. it was yeah. Bernie uh, Ernie and Bert but they were gay yeah and down in like the East Village or the West Village yeah and they had their friend the caca monster <laughs> <laughs> and they're like they're going around they're like saying like oh now let's count up all the things one cock ring yeah one cock ring so that was on the White Album I believe I had all their records so they um, when they you know National Lampoon was huge and they did like a radio show and they had a stage show and a lot of people overlapped in SNL and, and National Lampoon right so he so Belushi was in National Lampoon he was I think he was in Lemmings but he was on the radio show for sure but he also did Second City right yeah I think so yeah yeah you know what you know what I was thinking about that that production of Godspell you always hear about oh, the yeah. Trotto's thing with Marty Short and uh, Gilda Radner and, and uh, Paul Schaefer I've heard that story so many times. Well, I, I don't know the story you're talking about. So in the early 70s in Toronto, there was a production of Godspell, and the cast included Gildner Radner and uh, Martin Short and uh, Paul Schaefer, and just like a who's who. And they always they're say... They're all Canadians. Like, yeah, they're all good. Well, it's a Canadian show. Yeah. But uh, I, I would imagine, like, if I know comedy right, the actual show must have just been horrible to sit through. Like, oh, you yeah. know, all these famous shows where it's famous because all these people came from it. Yeah, but I'm sure the actual show sucked, you know, <laughs> that these guys weren't funny and it just wasn't worth it or whatever. Let's see Ed Grimley do Jesus Christ. Unless never, I've never seen Ed Grimley work anymore. You, yeah, you ever yeah. seen when he, when he revises it on Saturday Night Live? Every time he does Ed Grimley now, it's just like... 
crickets, crickets. <laughs> I remember he used to do uh, Jackie Rogers Jr.'s $100,000 jackpot wad. Oh, and yeah. And he was basically this albino uh, like game show host. <laughs> I love this. Pretty amazing. Uh, he was great on, S- on SCTV. He was terrific. He saved the show, I thought, because uh, a lot of people left, and he came on and just you know, wowed everyone. Man, a lot of Canadians, uh, a lot of Canadian um, comedians. Yeah, a lot. They, um, yeah. they just like, uh, they just grow them crazy out there. Yeah, although I, I can't think of a recent one, so maybe yeah, it stopped. Yeah, I mean, um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is probably the last Canadian of note, right? I mean, um, what, what Mike was Myers. All right, he's 90, so maybe he's the last. Yeah, you're right, maybe... Mike Myers, man. I've seen Supermensch. Have you seen the documentary he made about some luminary? Uh, uh, Some guy who does a lot of good humanitarian. He's a a billionaire who has this beautiful estate in Hawaii where he allows people to live in their guest house. And there's a lot of talking heads. It's directed by Mike Myers. He was uh, Alice Cooper's manager, and he uh, he was... uh, Just see the movie, but he... He was talking about he gives his guest house to anybody, and people during this Talking Head documentary directed by Mike Myers was saying, like, yeah, I was down and out, and he let me stay there. And then they cut to Mike Myers as one of the Talking Heads. First time I've seen the director just insert himself as a Talking Head, and he's like, yeah, I didn't know where to go, and I stayed at Chef's Place for months, and they really helped me out. And I'm like, probably after Love Guru, he's like, <laughs> fuck this. And he went to a white place, and he's just, you know. Is that a thing that people still do where it's like, yeah, you know, I need to clear my head. Can I stay in your, your guest house your in Hawaii? Guest, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Kato Kalin, that sort of stuff. It's oh, like, yeah. When, like that whole O.J. Simpson thing was going on. I couldn't grasp. They're like, oh, he was a house guest. I was like, oh, so he li- was your roommate? He's like, no, he just was staying in the back. They have uh, a house for guests. And the, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, all right, so what was he doing back there? They're <laughs> like, no, he's just clearing his head, you know? <laughs> I'm like, all right, I don't, I, obviously I'm not going to get this, so let's just move on. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you, you – uh, yeah, sometimes your celebrity friends need a place to crash, you know, when they're going through liquidation or something. Uh, you have a guest house. Yeah, and he knows – oh, there's the new art. That's there's in, the new uh, art. Blues Brothers in concert. So for the movie house, it actually has a live show going on. That's in Santa Monica, right? And the, um, I think it's Hollywood, more Hollywood than Santa Monica. Okay. But you know what? You're, you're probably right. Because I, I, I remember – no, you're right. It is Santa Monica. Absolutely. I, I remember seeing it. But they, they don't have in concert there. It's a movie house. Yeah. It's the marquee lies. So, yeah, there's the ghost of Belushi listening to his Puerto Rican uh, guardian angel played by Ray Sharkey. Ray Sharkey is an intense, amazing actor. So to see him play this role is just stunningly like... What else has he done? I would say the TV show Wise Guys is a good place to go. Okay. Uh, but he's he's famous for other roles. He died super young. That's probably tragic. It's hard watching that and John and J.T. Walsh, who died pretty young. Or yeah, died unexpectedly. Where are their movies? I don't think anyone wants to see the J.T. Walsh story. <laughs> J.T., you've been smiling during the whole play. No one wants to see you smile. <laughs> what if I look like I'm going to kill somebody? Like I'm going to blow up like a white guy. Okay. Wait, are they doing physical comedy here yeah, with the, the coffin? The coffin is so big that they get... Because they, they take the coffin to... Uh, they're trying to take this chartered jet to... Uh, oh, Martha's Vineyard? Martha's Vineyard, where they had a famous uh, famous funeral. Where, it, upon request, uh, Blue Cheese request, they played some song during the funeral. 
and uh, Dan Aykroyd showed up in his motorcycle jacket, and uh, you know. Wow. Uh, supposedly, when the uh, the wives of um, James Taylor and John Belushi tried to do an intervention, John Belushi had some quote where he said that John, James Taylor's um, heroin uh, habit scared scared Belushi. Wow, <laughs> wow! You're just like, wait a minute, really? The guy who sings all those like really yeah. soft rock hits. I would have that quote tattooed on my ass. I'd be like, look, <laughs> take a look, buddy. Don't worry about me. Sequel, <laughs> you got to calm down. You got to calm down. I've never seen a man ingest that many drugs. You're gonna fucking die. Hey. What does the quote say on my ass? <laughs> How does yeah? So if if James Taylor's drug use scared Belushi, I guess it's just he must have like the most incredible constitution. Oh yeah, do you R- think or James Taylor's still alive going to Red Sox games? Well, I mean James Taylor has a sort of past where when you learn more about him, you're like, oh, maybe he's not so pleasant. Oh really? Right. Well, didn't he? Well, I think I get him and Jackson Brown mixed up. Oh yeah, yeah. Jackson Brown supposedly beat up. Uh, yeah. His, um, uh, allegedly, I should say allegedly in case. Uh, yeah, in case the, he's listening. In case he's listening. Hey, you know, I get more people going through the recycle bin outside the station than I get listening to the podcast. So it's all right. <laughs> I don't think he's listening. So uh, now we're at an art gallery. I hope you guys are enjoying the movie. And, and, and by all means, watch this movie. You have to see this film. I, I cannot say if you if you call yourself a bad movie buff and you haven't sat through this movie. What is your favorite bad movie? I could tell you the worst bad movie I've ever seen is Deep Throat. It's so so bad on so many different levels. Wow. Uh, like we, when you fuck up a porn movie. A porn movie. It's like that's really bad. We like that all you want when you're watching a porn movie is like... I, I, there's only one thing I want to see. We did that. Uh, well, I, I, we got in trouble for it, but there was a bad movie night, bad porno, bad porno movie night. We did Caligula, and uh, somebody during Deep Throat said, the the premise of Deep Throat is that her clitoris is in the back of her throat. So the only way that she can come is that she has a dick rammed down the back of her throat because if you do it with normal for normal sex, she doesn't really feel anything. But during the movie, yeah. I wonder if there's any like uh, anatomy students watching that movie and going, "This doesn't make any sense." Oh, you got uh, suspension of disbelief is out the window. <laughs> I'm out here. I can't sit through this. I don't know what's going on. Who wrote this shit? <laughs> so they uh, during the sex scenes, and not to be explicit, don't listen, my kid. But during the sex scenes, uh, no kids should listen to the scene. Someone in the audience said, "She's playing with her clit." During the sex scenes, she's playing with her clit during the whole movie. So, but she, anyway, but so that seems odd if the premise is that her clit's in the back of her throat. Why would she be playing with it during right. sex? And she had this. Uh, she's clean shaven until she has a bare bush until the last scene where it's bushy and she's shaving off the the hair. There's a shave scene at the end of the movie. Wow, so she's been clean shaven for the entire movie until the end where she has a bush where she shaves it off. So there's a lot of symbolism in this movie? Yeah, it's uh, Alpha and Omega. It's like reading Finnegan's <laughs> Wake. You don't really know where it begins or ends. Uh, it's, it's like Inception, you know, because you think that she was clean shaven this whole time, but it, perhaps that was just a dream. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's like this M. Night Shyamalan like, yeah, reveal at the end. She was fuzzy all along. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, this story, if you read anything about Linda Lovelace, it was not... She was not in a good place. Like she was not treated well at all. And so, knowing what they did to her and what she was forced through, it's hard to sit through that movie with the knowledge of what her life was like. So that's one layer. And then the mob was so head up their ass in that movie. They forced the director by uh, with a gun to his head to sign away his rights. 
and they had people in these porn theaters in the 70s with uh, ticket machines with counters you know those little clicker counters mm-hmm. and the mob would sit outside and click on the number of people come in and they would shake down them saying well our buddy saw 98 people here but it only says 58 people wow so they shook down so and this started and launched uh, the whole porn chic it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and that caused a revolution, you know, like, so it's like the worst film, like, hey, the jazz singer, a Jewish guy puts up blackface, it's the invention of sound, kudos, <laughs> you know, this porn movie made it porn acceptable, they forced her to have sex with a dog, kudos, <laughs> well, not in that movie, but there's a notorious, I mean, Linda Lovelace's story is, is depressing. What an age to be alive. I think I rent, took out the Lovelace, the, the the bio, and never watched it. So good, Charlie. They haven't game blown. What is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's wiggling around like he's so there's a woman underneath. Or, is that supposed to be Dan Aykroyd yeah, talking to him? Yeah, they're they're on their trip and they're gonna come up with all these great ideas. But he's probably saying like, "Hey, buddy, you need to calm down." Yeah, also, yeah. is that an actual Chicago's Cub hat he's wearing? Yeah, I think so. I think they've gone through many iterations. Or maybe that's not. I don't know. I think it's just the letter C on a baseball cap. Yeah, maybe is everything sort of a little blurred because they didn't want to get sued by anyone? Like, no, I just think Like the Chicago the... Cubs would be like, we don't want to be associated with that shitty movie. Well, it's more like, uh, he's from Chicago. Let's go to Chicago Cubs. That's going to cost us money. Okay, well, Chicago begins with the letter C, and baseball fans usually walk around with a C, so yeah. Yeah, we'll just put a little C on that hat. And this is an hour ten into the movie, so we still have a half hour of this film. I feel bad that wow. we're not connecting to this film. I do recommend watching it. And I like Dan Aykroyd's com- uh, camouflage T-shirt. I can't see where he is. Oh, it's so camouflage. Blurry, yeah. yeah, where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Chiklis. All right, so they're pinky swearing to their lives. They're like, we're going to live forever. And then it's probably cut to the Martha Vineyard funeral, just opposing the, the story. I've never been to Martha's Vineyard, and I grew up in Massachusetts. I've been to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah? Yeah, it's fun. I've been to Nantucket a lot. Nantucket, and isn't there like another uh, Nantucket? I was the answer of a crossword puzzle. Thank you. It reminded me. <laughs> There's uh, also Block Island out there. Block Island. I've been to Block Island. Block Island's really nice. Yeah. And I think I've been I've been to Fire Island, too. Oh, really? Yeah. And I've been to P-Town, Providence Town. Wow. I've never been to P-Town. I've yeah. never been to Fire Island either. I'll tell you a funny story about Provincetown. There was a, a head store in my town in New Jersey called Inner Dimensions, and they sold incense and Grateful Dead black light posters and a lot of pipes and shit like that. And it moved out, and we were in Provincetown, and, it, and then we saw a head shop called Inner Dimensions, and we went in there, and we said, hey, you know, there used to be a head shop in our town. And he goes, Montclair, New Jersey? Oh, yeah. I'm from Montclair, New Jersey. I moved to P-Town. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can see why. But, uh, you know, like, he was happier there. But he was like, I got to show you something. I got to show, show you something. I'm like, what, what, what the fuck is it? And he's like, check this out. And there's a Polaroid of a woman in his store with a Montclair T-shirt. And he's like, huh, huh? <laughs> I'm so glad it was a, that was the picture. It wasn't like, yeah, yes, right. my dick. Well, I was like 16 or 15 years old. <laughs> We bought a water pipe. It was it was a it, if you put a it's a little plastic thing that you put a joint in and then fill it the little plastic thing with water and then you have like a mini bong for your uh, wow. joint and it had ink all over it and when you wiped the ink off the glass it showed a marijuana leaf <laughs> they covered <laughs> it with the and we smoked cigarettes with it and it was fucking vile as shit wow yeah that was like dumb. I don't remember a head shop in my town, but we had uh, Spencer Gifts. Then Spencer Gifts sold bongs and shit like that? Mm-hmm. 
they sold everything. It was just like, you know, oh, Coke, Coke spoons, Coke spoons, uh, every stupid joke. You know, here's a pet rock. <laughs> yeah, that kind of shit. But like if you go to like uh, Hot Topics, they're not going to sell you like paraphernalia in there, right? No, I don't think so. They just like have like Blink-182 t-shirts. Oh, Joy Division t-shirts. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you want to know more about Joy Division kids, consult your local library. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, check out under World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Joy Division. And New Order. That's another World War II thing you should look up. What is going on in this movie? Oh, so it's somebody who's not Belushi. Oh, it's there's Alec Rocco kissing. Oh, I thought it was going to get. Oh, it's, oh, I see. Oh, I think he's, Rocco is playing Bernie Brillstein, but they use a different name, his famous manager. Bernie Brillstein? Yeah. Brillstein Gray. Oh, so now that we're in the uh, we're funeral, at the funeral and there's John, there's Dan Aykroyd in his uh, motorcycle gear, and he has his black helmet. At least he knows where his fucking black helmet is. Somebody told me that John or Dan Aykroyd never did any drugs. I find it hard to believe because he was uh, in the '80s, but like he was such a square, as they say back then. But you know, it's like I know he was married to Donna Dixon. I don't know if he's still married with her. Uh, oh, that's right. But I mean, maybe he had another vice. Who knows? I mean, he's such a weird nerd guy. Like I'm yeah. sure he just talked his head off. I mean, why wouldn't he do coke? I, I don't know the guy personally, but I do know he's a motor mouth. Right? Yeah, that's true. Talking about arcade bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and then when he got older, he got into uh, uh, vodka. Mo- motorcycles and vodka. Oh, look, there's vanilla, vanilla ice. This is a proto-vanilla ice character. God, that's 89. He's got the hair like vanilla ice, and he's wearing the same jacket. That's insane. There he is, vanilla ice. Oh, so yeah, I don't like listening to the sound when we do the podcast, but the sound is shitty as fuck, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely shot in a toilet. Uh, it's, what? it's a scene oh, yeah. in the bathroom, and it sounds like it was shot in a, in a public bathroom. Oh, I, I think I know what's going on in the scene now. Like, the guy's re- name Coke? Yeah, I remember, um, I read part of the book, and yeah. uh, in the book, there's this whole part about how John Belushi hired somebody to keep cocaine away from him. He's using the soap powder, and he's, he's questioning whether it's coke. Maybe he left it as coke. It is coke. He's gonna. Oh yeah, right. He had a uh, Smokey was the name of his bodyguard, and it was the same bodyguard that Joe Walsh had. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a great book. I mean, honest to God, there hasn't been a decent bio book about it as well. So poor John Belushi, everywhere in this bathroom has coke. Literally, there's like stacks of vials and vials. Cocaine on every horizontal I li- surface. I like how the paper towels are actually bags of coke uh, yeah. lined up in a row. Didn't he tell that uh, bodyguard where he's like, look, I at some point I am going to try to fire you and you're not fired. Yeah. It worked for for Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, man, yeah. How does like supposedly that guy's been like sober for like you know he's fifteen from, years? He's from Montclair, New Jersey, as well. So oh, really? From Montclair, we we have a uh, we love him. Oh, now there's like uh, lines of lines coke, of coke on, the, on the floor. On the bathroom floor. Don't fall for it. You're gonna be sucking dick in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know. Next thing you know. If you ever see a line of coke on the bathroom floor, do not follow that line. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna go to someone's balls. Some coke is fine, but floor coke is not floor, good. Floor coke is when you need to have a problem. Yeah. And if you're on your hands and knees, I would duck. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would like not. Get, I'd get some help. Get some help. 
So something's happening in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's still in the body bag. He's reliving his life. What is he going to ultimately do? Come back to life and redo it? Yeah, it's going to be zombie pollution. I see him in a sitcom. Maybe he'll do a Netflix movie. I mean, like, a lot of those guys, you know, Jim, Bill Murray probably has longest shelf life but nothing he's done in the last 15 years of note like people aren't I mean, like raving about Rock the Casbah I mean yeah, I like the, but like you know uh, what do you call it uh, Lost in Translation everybody yeah, loved and, and Rushmore and Rushmore films, yeah. yeah Broken Flowers he has some range I guess what about Bob I felt like really showed he had this that was range. really good yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what Belushi would be doing if he was Sitcoms. alive. Yeah, maybe he'd do a sitcom. Maybe him and his brother would do something. Maybe he'll do like a, an infomercial. Like I've thought about it. Like maybe he'll yeah. sell stuff on QVC. You know, the I mean, John Belushi Grill. The Belushi Grill, right? <laughs> you want to be a fat fuck like me? Oh, this is a true story too. He was uh, into punk rock at the Roxy, and he met a photographer weeks before his death. And this is what they're showing, and she took him up to his studio. And shot like punk rock photos of him with uh, something over his head, and weeks before his death. So they just showed that, uh, reenacted that scene. So not only uh, are they taking the words from the bio, but they're taking the photo section of the celebrity bio and showing it on screen. Hmm. Do you, is that the first thing you look when you get a celebrity bio? Is Go the right photos? to the middle. Yeah, the yeah. photos. I always get. I always look at the first chapter, and if it's about their childhood, I skip to the sixth chapter. <laughs> I read the Martin Short one. I wasn't too crazy about it. Martin Short? Yeah. I like Martin Short. I respect the guy, but I, I don't need to know about him. Yeah. Uh, what is... Hmm. But it's, it's a sad... I mean, it's, it's, it's a good... He lost his wife. It's one, it's, oh, really? Yeah, he really loved his wife. And so She died? She, she, she died, and he doesn't really bring it up. In this, it doesn't say, my late wife... I first met my late wife, but in in his memoirs, he does mention her, you know, the point where she dies and the aftermath of that. And he comes off like he really loved her, you know. Hmm. So maybe it was good reading about it. Maybe it was nice to see some humanity. (laughs) It's not all laughs for Martin Short. Yeah, I've seen Martin. I've seen, uh, oh, God, what was that movie? He did with, um, I'm blocking this movie. He plays a 10 year old boy. Oh, uh, Clifford or something. Clifford, exactly, yeah. and with Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin's great. Not a Clifford. I could watch uh, Clifford. I could watch uh, Midnight Run over and over again. Well, from the director of Geely, can you watch Geely over and over again? Martin Brest, he went Martin. to NYU just like me. And then he disappeared. And then he disappeared. He did, uh, I believe, didn't he do the first Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah, sure. It's yep. a great movie. It wouldn't, wouldn't be a franchise if it wasn't for that movie. He did such a great job in that movie. Now, I like I, G. Lee's like considered the worst movie of the decade. Yeah, with, with respect to him, but it, it was definitely like a bigger train wreck than Battlefield Earth. Wasn't there some? There were some morning DJs who were giving away T-shirts to anyone who could sit through all of G. Lee. <laughs> yeah, I, we did a bad movie night where we sh- uh, at friend's house where we watched Phantom of the Opera and everyone laughed, and then we put on the DVD of G. Lee, and it's froze after 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and uh strangely yeah. it got better oh, no it ended at the scene where al pacino says i see i say everything twice sit sit down down 
<laughs> I've never seen the movie, so I don't like oh, it. ruined it for me. Oh, it, there's like, talk about hermetically sealed. It, it doesn't seem like there's oxygen in this in, in Geely, but it's a lot of scenes in different hotel rooms or different apartments, and they go visit, like, Christopher Walken shows up and he has a crazy little speech and then he disappears and then you know 40 minutes later Al Pacino shows up and a craziness happens and then he disappears this guy in the scene right here in Wired on the right was yeah. he in Benson? that's this am I doing soap? I'm doing soap you're doing soap which yeah, Benson's yeah. from okay uh, yeah, but you know, so the guy wearing the overall, the shirtless guy, that's supposed to be Don Novello. Oh, yeah. uh, Father Guido Sardici, him and Volucci were writing a uh, private eye Napa Valley movie called Noble Rot. Hmm. What, isn't Don Novello from uh, Marin? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, so, you know, he's, he's a he, decent human being, but he, he's being portrayed by this guy as, as a co- And in the book, he paints a negative light, like... He was not in a good part of his life, Belushi. He was, and he was constantly saying, "This is the comedy that's going to save my pathetic life." It's called Noble Rot, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> the irony, please, must have been like, um, you know, called up for backup after that. Did you ever read Don Novello's uh, Laszlo letters? Oh, they're terrific. Yeah, they're yeah, great. They're great. Uh, it's basically he writes these corporations writes write some letters and they get responses <laughs> and he just like ask them the dumbest questions and it's like he i remember he wrote uh the corporation that makes preparation h <laughs> and he was like i've used your product for many many years and i think it's a fine product but i've always wondered what does the h stand for <laughs> <laughs> and they sent him a letter back and it just said please be advised the h is for hemorrhoid he's actually like him and george hamilton are, are two of the best parts of godfather three like they just help sell the movie and he shows up in jack as well the oh yeah, yeah. the the sort of Benjamin Button movie. <laughs> Benjamin Button movie with with Bill Mur- with uh, Bill Cosby's in that. Bill, Bill Cosby's in Bill that? Cosby plays the uh, therapist. That's that, a uh, Coppola film too. Yeah, it's a Coppola <laughs> film. Hell? One of the last Coppola films. Oh, I've seen his last two movies, Twix. Twix. Yeah, it was a, a 3D movie where at certain points in the film you're supposed to put on this mask. This that is has a Coppola 3D film. Co- yeah, I. What happened to you, man? No, I got a pen blew up in my hand. I got ten ink all over me. You sure you're not using that um, that little mini bong that you used no, to smoke I, cigarettes out of? Yeah, right. That's the dye. It has shows a cannabis. I if you can't see it on the podcast, but a, a pen just blew up in my fingers, and I have three ink stained. That really takes me back, though. You know, I like, voted. I voted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you voted in yeah. Uh, Iran. Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah, I was spraying all over my hand. <laughs> I sat wow. on something on the bus too. I'm betting. I sat on these cherries, these like stained cherry oh, like dude. preserves that were on the seat. And I got up and I just assumed I have to do laundry anyway. That it was on me, but it didn't seem like it was on me. And now I got ink stains. Man, you're leading the league in stains. <laughs> All right. Sorry, that's a sports reference, Jeff. I had to take a second. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm I'm kind of a sports guy yeah, uh, I and a bad movie buff which is yeah. I appreciate yeah, yeah. No, I really yeah, appreciate yeah. being here I like uh, I, I like this whole uh, concept we still have a half hour but if people are still listening at this point please check out Jeff Cleary's uh, podcast it's one of my favorites it's one of the best out there it's called SF Barcast and cast has a K in it and it's sporadic but you have a lot of episodes that people can catch up on yeah yeah. we um, actually my 
my co-host moved to uh, Carson City, Nevada. I don't have any follow-up information on that. Anytime you want to take your equipment, I will treat you to uh, Red's Java House. We oh, really? Get a beer and we can sit out back Oh, yeah. There. I like Red's Java House. Yeah. yeah. It's not technically a bar. They do serve alcohol, but... Yeah, but they have the backyard. Yeah. yeah. So if people don't know, like my podcast, we record in bars and it's kind of like a bar review and it's basically a couple of guys getting drunk in a bar but you guys have great chemistry and i have to say like that's the reason why i listen to it every time so we're always screaming about one thing or the other yeah and there's a great segment called oh they're talking about sports which i tend to fast forward yeah yeah. our second segment is like uh the sports section and we're just like screaming about uh, dumb things that uh, we read about in sports (laughs) we're usually complaining about alex rodriguez or something like that you know, I read a well, oral biography of ESPN, and I read about like 400 out of the 600 pages, and I said, nothing happened with ESPN. That yeah. I read about. And then I forgot that that woman got videotaped, right? The ESPN oh, sportscaster. Yeah. Aaron I, Andrews, yeah. I completely skipped the chapters about Aaron Andrews. Wow. And she just won like $26 million? Yeah, she, it was something like $50 million, but like, you know, they're not, she's, everyone says she's not going to get right. $50 million. It's just, it's just, that's like a sim, symbolic number that the, uh, they came up with. So, so she'll probably get like $10 million. She was an ESPN sportscaster who, unbeknownst to her, while she was ironing her clothes, was being videotaped by some guy in her hotel room. Yeah. And that video went viral, and she sued and recently, and then years later, uh, won a $50 million settlement. And supposedly, like, you know, everybody says, like, oh, this is insane. Like, she got so much money for, like, you can fil- you can film me naked if I give me that much no, money. But it's like, it that's not how it works. It's not like that. It's like, basically, they did prove that, like, the guy who was obsessed with her, who wanted to film her, went to the hotel and asked what room is she in? Yeah, that's... And they said, oh, she's in this room. And he's like, can I get the room right next to her? And like, of course, sir. It's like... Yeah, it's so bad. So, I don't know. Uh, but the same person who wrote that book about ESPN also wrote the SNL book. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's one of the reasons name. why I read it. Is it like... He's got like a very bland name, like Michael Smith or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right. There's a MTV or a... I should mention in the movie right now, this is a notorious scene where it's an SNL sketch with... Belushi at the doctor and the doctor has Groucho Mark's uh, mustache and, uh, and cadence and you know, he's watching it he's watching this is an actual true story in the book he's watching episodes old episodes of SNL after the after his run uh, at a bar pathetic but here the sketch is about his doctor visit which we've seen in the movie but this time played by Aykroyd playing Groucho hmm. So again, it's this, uh, the sketches, the SNL sketches. They're worse than the sketches on Thirty Rock. You know how Thirty Rock the sketches are always terrible. Mm-hmm. Like this is really terrible. You know. Yeah. What is? What is he in a sauna now? I don't know. The photog- the cinematographer should have been fired a long time ago. Let me tell you something. Every time I'm actually in a sauna and there's somebody else there, and I say to them, "Man, it's like a sauna in here." What's the response? I never get a laugh. <laughs> I would laugh at that. People That's just like look word. at me like, "Oh yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> well, you should have a mission: get a grant and go to every single sauna in America <laughs> until exactly. you find that one person. Maybe I can get like a MacArthur grant. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like seventy-eight pounds. Just by the time you finally get some guy who laughs at your joke. Exactly. I'll just like stand in the middle of like Grand Central Station and say, "What is this Grand Central Station in here?" and wait for someone to laugh. I always wait for those moments. They're great when that happens. So, yeah, so uh, this is the notorious scene where uh, 
the journalist Bob Woodward visits the uh, Chateau Montmartre, I guess, right, where he died. Oh, where was that? Was that in New York? It was in Los Angeles in the bungalow of, uh, I think it was... Bungalow. You know, the, the movie Somewhere with uh, that Sofia Coppola directed takes place in this hotel. Uh, oh. The, the, the Charlotte Charlotte Marmot, or whatever. I'm not going to speak French here. It's not, it's not called that's... Well, listen, I speak people and try to say a French name. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where she goes, want to hit Woody? She's going to... Who's Woody? Gonna, Wood, Bob Woodward. Oh, oh, right, But yeah. in this movie, this is the scene. So this is all uh, he, fictionalization? Yeah. He never went back in time and visited the scene oh, of the death. There's a good picture of Frederick Douglass in the bathroom. Yeah, sure. When you take a piss, you want to look him in the eyes. <laughs> so I put a photo of Frederick Douglass. I like to get into a debate when I take a tinkle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every time I'm Abraham Lincoln, and we have 15 hours. Oh, when, oh, yeah, when I go to the bathroom, I like to remind myself about slavery. <laughs> <laughs> well, only when I go number one. Only when I'm standing and pissing. When I'm sitting and shitting, I like to think about <laughs> Farrah <That's> Fawcett. <laughs> Now here comes JT, JT Walsh. Yeah, so he's going to open up a door and she's going to sh- be shooting up Belushi and she's going to turn to him and say, Want to hit Woody? Want to hit Woody? I'm giving it away, but I'm so giddy that I get to see the scene again. I haven't also, seen it. <laughs> you're you're, you're spoiling the movie. The movie theater closed after showing this movie. I swear <laughs> to God, this is not a good movie. Do you think it's like it's cursed? Yeah. I mean, look what it did to the career of John Belushi. Yeah, this movie's so bad that when you when you see John Belushi die, you're like, oh, he's so lucky he doesn't get to watch this movie. You know, to be fair, uh, people said that John Belushi was rolling around in his grave when this movie came out, but to be fair, he was actually just doing his Joe Cocker impression. <laughs> 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 what would John Belushi be doing right now if he was alive? Probably clawing at the inside of his coffin. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Or who is it had a joke if, if Mozart was alive right now? He'd be like, what is this, television? I never heard of it. <laughs> I forgot who said that. It's definitely not mine. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be so wowed by everything. Ooh, Iron Bird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of Iron Bird, here we go. So cinema drugs for you. He's chopping up. Is that heroin or coke? That's coke rocks. That uh, looks like rocks. I think so. I've never done heroin, so I don't know what it looks like. Well, I never really cut up heroin with... Uh, I never done that one, but I never cut it up with a with a razor. I'm not blade. a big like needle person, although I give blood all the time. But uh, oh, look oh, at this! It's oh. a fake pinball machine. Oh, uh, the Blues Brothers. Well, now we're talking. Look at the look! It's a coffin. The pinball machine is a coffin. It has the little handles on the That's side. It's actually really interesting. I'm a I'm a huge pinball fan. I play pinball every day. Yeah, I would kill for that table. With a Blues Brothers coffin pinball oh, Wow, that would be great. Remember the, fir- uh, I think it's the first scene in Rocky Three where Burt Young is all drunk. Yeah. And he sees like the Rocky pinball machine and he throws his bottle, like, at, it, bottle right? at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pinball is very pervasive in my life. Yeah, I haven't been to Brucade in San Francisco. I've been to the Oakland uh, uh, pizzeria high note that has. A oh yeah, of- that's good. Yeah. Uh, over at Gestalt on 16th, they have like uh, 10 tables. Oh, that's really cool. There was a really good bar that closed on Broadway in, in Oakland that had six pinball machines, but the way the bar was set up, they had a, a velvet 
uh, curtain behind the bar, and then dangling from be- uh, in front of the curtain was a mirror, and the mirror was angled that you could see all the, the pinballs. So wow. you could sit at the bar, look at the mirror, and see the pinball machines. Wow. And that was really very classy, I felt. Like, it was really well done. Because if there's one thing that'll help you digest your food, it's watching pinball. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm going to sit at this bar, and it has this, like, uh, Twin Peaks velvet feel. And I'm going to look at the weird Lynchian mirror, and it's just going to show me pinball machines, and I'll be content with that. There's a uh, uh, internet website. I think it's called Twitch. Yeah, sure. That's, and, that's what it's called. And you uh, basically, they will show you people playing video games. It's kind of like ESPN for yeah. games. And they came to my pinball league night once, and they, they, filmed, shot you? they filmed us. Like uh, perf- perform playing against each other. Did they did the color commentary? I know he, he playing left foot flipper. I know Cleary exactly. with the left foot flipper again. Cleary going for the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, guys, guys, dude, he, did not tilt at this. Time. Almost got multi ball. <laughs> I don't know why everybody's British when I do that. When you do color commentary, they're all British announcers. Because you've watched too much snooker on ESPN. I love watching uh, golf. I know, like some people think, if you watch golf on television, you might as well be dead. Yeah. But I love watching golf on television, because <laughs> especially when you're hungover, because it's everybody so quiet. They're like it's like they know you're hungover. But are you, are you the weird guy who calls up CVS and say, "Listen, those bird calls that are playing golf—they're not the actual birds in season." <laughs> You heard, you've heard stories about that? No. Where they sweeten the sounds of golf and people notice that it's not the right birds making the noise. I so want that to be true. It is true. That's what happened. They, they played fake bird noises and bird enthusiasts recognized that it was an indigenous to the, to the course. That's clear, clearly not a uh, matriculated uh, <laughs> pheasant. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Jesus Christ, guys. There are people who watch golf and <laughs> if they think there's been like a violation, they will call in and say, hey, yeah, this guy uh, cheated. And, what? and then they'll go back and, do, and look at the videotape and see if they did. She's so, it's so like, fetishizing this needle. She licked the, the tip of the needle. She's about to give Belushi the, the final. There's the belt that was used in the trial. It's so overly dramatic. Well, this is the death of, of their uh, biopic. But she's going to turn to Belushi and say, want to hit Woody. Uh, which I'm revealing just because I, I'm so proud I remember that. <laughs> Look, she keeps the needle clenched in her teeth while she puts... Nobody fucking does that. You don't put a fucking needle in your mouth. These are not the right birds for this season. <laughs> <laughs> Dear CVS. <laughs> and they had to retract it. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, oh, the needle, needle shot. It's a fatal blow. Fatal shot. Needle shot. Needle shot. <laughs> remember that in Street Fighter 2? Yep. Yeah, needle shot. Do I remember that, of course. Finish it. <laughs> Finish that shit. So is she, she's injecting herself? I think she injected him, too. I don't know if that's what she's doing right now, that this is the final shot. Some people have uh, a very acute fear of needles. What if you were the family of John Belushi? Would you also have an acute fear of needles, especially shown on screen? <laughs> I'd be a fear of bad movies. Sure. Yeah. So, why don't you recommend this movie? We just show your brother getting injected by heroin. <laughs> it's about his life, especially when he got injected in hero- a fatal heroin shot. It's all true. You know, that hallway looks a little oh, San man. Francisco. That just went... She just went down this dark hallway like it's... You know, it wasn't. Lynch again. Yeah, David Lynch's dark, uh, 
was it dark Mahomet? it wasn't Mahomet. dark Hall, highway lost highway lost right highway. sure yeah it has that creepy corner hallway where bill pullman walks in disappears and comes back fucked up something happened this music is great. It sounds like they're strangling Tangerine Dream, <laughs> and they're they're pressing one button on their synthesizer. Help, SOS. Oh yeah, now she's there she go. did herself, and now she's doing Belushi. Come on, there you go. Hey, what do you want to hit? Want to hit? Oh no! I just want to report this. Make millions off of something. Such a weird narrative device. Like he wasn't there, but he. In the movie, he put himself in there. No, he had nothing to do with this movie. The, he had nothing to do with this movie. They bought the film, the book from him, but he didn't write this. He didn't okay So do you this. mean the writer said, okay, let's put yeah. Bob Woodward, yeah. like this symbolic Bob Woodward character yeah. here? It's, he was part of the story, I guess, because the story was about John Belushi. The book was about Belushi, but the story about the book was that the, the family and the estate were pissed off that this is what he wrote about. Hmm. I think they wanted. I think Judy sincerely felt like he could put him in a good light, but he—he's an investigative reporter. He's covering one of the biggest Hollywood scandals in the world, you know, of oh, its no. time at the time. I wonder what uh, Carl Bernstein thought of this movie. <laughs> he's been following around Jim Belushi for years <laughs> with the camera, <laughs> well, taking notes. Come on, die already. <laughs> Yeah, have another cigar it's from Crypt. Oh, who who got me this cocktail? Carl Bernstein. He's he bought it for you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Hurry up already." Uh, yeah, I don't. Say, I don't know if Bob Woodward ever wrote another celebrity uh, expose. I mean, he might have been commissioned to do something. You know, I, I wouldn't. Imagine, wouldn't be surprised if he wrote about YouTube during one of their concert tours. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think he ever ever pursued this again. Like he went back to investing. You know, writing boring ass books. He uh, he's got a really interesting voice. If you ever hear him, like being interviewed. Yeah. Oh. He, they were such young badasses. I mean, they didn't look too far removed from their portrayal in, in the movies. But if you, if you watch them in the seventies, uh, the movie Dick. You ever seen the movie Dick? Yeah. So at good. the end, they have. Uh, I think it was uh, the kids in the hall guy from News Radio. Oh. Um. Uh, oh, two, Dave Foley or yeah, Dave Foley. S- McKinnon? Uh, one of those guys. I think Bruce also. They played oh, like they played uh, uh, Woodward, Woodward and Bernstein, and they played it as like sniveling, uh, competitive, you know, angry little guys. Didn't uh, in All the President's Men, um, Woodward was played by Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. And Carl Carl Bernstein gets played by Robert Redford. It's like I'm sure like Woodward's like, wait a minute, wait a second here. Yeah, I'm not the Why chair. do I have to, why does Dustin Hoffman play me? They were also killed in The Watchmen. Remember the movie Watchmen? They talk about how Bernstein Woodward because in the comic book they got killed by Nixon. The, the mm. comedian killed the investigators of, of Watergate. And they kept that in the movie, and it just seemed like an ugly fart. Like, why bring that up? You know, I don't, like I don't know if I made it all the way through Watchmen. It's visually, yeah. It's, I, I'm not. You know how everything is about superheroes nowadays yeah. in the theaters. That's not because of me. Like, I'm not a big oh, you, superhero you, you didn't person. Egg it on. Yeah, it's. I I didn't do that. But it's it's about superheroes about superheroes. It's a movie about. It's so my yeah. it's so meta. Yeah, it's a meta movie. I'm a meta. <laughs> that's the only superhero I like. Meta man. Meta. Well, you wrote it. That's how meta it is. <laughs> you know, when it comes to meta humor, I never met a humor I didn't like. Mm. <laughs> 
anti-humor. Oh, he's still playing this. So we're almost done, this but they're winding machine. up the life. He's enjoying life. Is that who's a? Oh no, that's Ray Starkey again. Uh, let's full screen this. So yeah, so we've seen the fatal shot. Oh, oh, we missed the scene, but uh, Belushi wakes up from his deathbed and makes a uh, John uh, William Casey joke in reference to Bob Woodward's con- earlier controversy. Who's William Casey? William Casey was the head of CIA or FBI, and he, when he was at his deathbed, Woodward talked to him, and he revealed a bunch of stuff, which people contested, saying, you made it up, or the guy was on his fucking deathbed. Right, yeah, yeah. he's probably, like, Senile and not yeah. fluid, his not lucid. His brain is releasing all his DMT because it knows it's going to die. Yeah, so I remember this movie makes a joke about it, which is, just seems really odd. What like, was the stuff that Casey revealed? You know, some Dick Cheney pre-shit, some Reagan shit. I don't remember. I mean, Aliens are real. Aliens are real, or Reagan wasn't a good guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash. All right, die already. Yeah. <laughs> He's comparing himself to Lenny Bruce. But Lenny Bruce wasn't funny, and no one really liked him. <laughs> At least you made popular movies. Yeah, you both did heroin. Whatever. You... Wow. Wow, this is pretty deep. Oh, so the subject and the author are facing each other. This is definitely very meta. Six characters in search of a movie. So wait a minute. So like the Woodward character is... Oh, shoosh. The Woodward character is talking to uh, the subject of his film. And that's and that's a uh, fict- fictionalization. And there's also the uh, Guardian Angel fictionalization. Yeah. So it's like it's bad enough. This movie fails on so many levels because not only does it uh, it takes a topic that nobody really in Hollywood wanted to be to make a movie about, so they do it. But then they add these creative liberties of having a guardian angel and having the structure and having the the story of the author. So you know, even if it was if it was authorized and they did this, it would be a flop because it'd be like, what stupid choices you guys made. But the, the fact that they haven't not authorized a boot and they made these chances, it sounds even better. It's like, well, you, you didn't have the right to do this anyway. You might as well add a guardian angel. You might as well, like, make it the, just the, the shit show that it is. And it's wrapping up and he's giving his final speech. What, what would John Belushi say? Uh, I made a lot of money. Yeah, what would yeah. His, he'd be like, his, his final speech would just be like, more heroin, please. I hope people enjoyed 1941. That was a great movie. You know, I really like. I I feel like that movie got um, really bad reviews when it came out. Yeah, it's a Spielberg film. Yeah, and it's I for some reason I just love that whole concept that, and uh, it, of like being in California when uh, in 1941 because after Pearl Harbor people thought yeah oh the next logical target would be California. No, I get it. I mean, it does. It does have that California aspect to it, and it does have like, but it's just a mess. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think like watching a Ferris wheel blow up and roll down. It's like a form of entertainment to me. Mike, the Ferris wheel blows up and then it rolls down a pier. Yeah. And there's a ventriloquist dummy on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. I think you forgot something yeah, there. Yeah, I forgot that Eddie Deason is there with a the ventriloquist <laughs> dummy. Eddie Deason, no less. Yeah, no, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> Robert Stack, it's just all awful. And Jim, John Belushi and, and Dan Aykroyd are attached at the hip, I guess. Isn't like Slim Pickens in it, too? Yeah, well, Slim Pickens, yeah. John Candy. 
Yeah, Treat Williams. Treat Williams. And then my favorite scene is the last scene of the movie where they're going to get into fisticuffs. There's Mickey Work, clear as day, a young Mickey Work in uniform, smiling in the final scene. And he's been asked about it. His scenes got cut. But he's in the last scene of that movie. Wow. Yeah. It's Oh, so speaking of the last scene of this movie, uh, the lights have just been dimmed for our esteemed uh, artist, John Belushi. And now that our journalist has what he has, he walks out of the hotel. Oh, shit. Do I have this on my face? You have something right here. I do? I think. Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe. Yeah. You have slow. Uh, yo, yeah. No, it's, it's not ink. No, that's okay. That's probably my cancer mole. <laughs> no, as long as it's not ink. And he shuts the light off for the subject. Who gets the final word? Is it the guardian angel? Is it the credits? Oh, they're playing Joe Cocker. Oh, because they get the rights to Joe Cocker song. So there's Michael Chiklis, star of The Shield. I hate The Shield. I've seen every episode. I've never seen it. You, you, wait a minute. Did you say, I hate The Shield? Yeah. I've seen every episode? It has the best pilot you've ever seen. Why, it, would you, why would you watch something that you hate? The ending of the first oh, pilot? Yeah, the wait, first I'm hour? sorry. I stepped the on ending? the whole idea no, no, of the, the no. show. He, it ends with him shooting another cop. <laughs> and you go, wow, you can't top that. And then for seven seasons, they don't top it. And then at the end of the seventh season, they go, oh, shit, remember seven years ago you shot a cop? We're going to wrap that up right now. <laughs> but so it's like one of those gimmick cop procedurals. Where like, we're all clones. Oh, time to solve this cop mystery. Or, you know, like, we're robots. Oh, time to solve the cop mystery. <laughs> or Banshee. I'm actually a criminal pretending to be a sheriff, and now I have a procedural to do. It's one of those, like, TV shows where the cop has a gimmick but it's another cop show. So the gimmick of the shield was he killed another cop and he doesn't get heat for it till the last season. So, you know, he's investigating and you're like, when well, you're not a good guy, I don't, you know. So you're just saying you should watch the pilot in the last episode of the last season. Yeah, like Twin Peaks. <laughs> Do a Twin Peaks moment. Just watch the first and last episode and call it a day. So he's doing his Joe Cocker here. On SNL. And that's jo- how it ends. Joe Cocker alive or dead it's amazing like they're pretending the musicians of SNL does not consist of 16 fucking saxophonists at all time it's just a piano player no yeah. G.E. Smith mugging for yeah, the yeah. camera G.E. <laughs> Smith wow man the amount of hatred people have for G.E. Smith uh, seems to know no bounds this is before the internet where punchable face was an actual phrase you know? <laughs> <laughs> before Martin Shirelli or before uh Everyone who, who else? We were talking about someone, and it was like punchable face came up. That's the new word. Oh, Wired. Look how they end it. They, they have the word name Wired go backwards and then up. That's a bad movie rule when they show the title of the film at the end. Oh, and there's no credits on this one. It abruptly ends. Ladies and gentlemen, the film wow. has ended. There's no credits to it. That's kind of a ripoff. If you're going to unauthorized post something, you should at least have to. Yeah. <laughs> If we sat through this whole movie, we want to know who's responsible for this shit. That was one of the worst movies I've I've seen in the theater, and I, I it brings back so many memories. What is that you you have up there? Going coconuts? Yeah, this is my. I'm going to play the theme song, which is on the website. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube.blogspot.com, and we're looking at it right now. It shows all the previous episodes with the YouTube movie embedded there, so you can watch the movie and listen to the podcast. Nice. And sync it up. And spend an afternoon doing that. 
so yeah if you guys uh i want to thank you if you're listening to this point it means that you either skip to the end or you actually listen to the entire movie with us and i thank you very much uh please go to itunes subscribe to us at uh we're listed as l w a f l m o y t uh you can go to mutinyradio.fm really simple type that in it'll transfer you to psr tcrcollective.org and then you have to click a bunch of buttons but you can find our podcast you can find our rss feed uh jeff clary where can people find you oh uh just look up sf barcast uh and it's sf b-a-r-k-a-s-t and uh you can find me there and i also run a uh free movie night uh, every monday i'm sorry free comedy night Every Monday at Doc's Lab in North Beach. I, w- I was telling a bunch of comedians that's the classiest open mic, hands down. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's nice of you. Well, they were talking about how great uh, Purple Onion at Kells is. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. So at the time I was there, it smelled like, you know, the floor was covered in beer. But that's, that's, this is probably <laughs> me uh, being an asshole about it. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, come to Doc's Labs on Monday. Uh, Jeff also is being modest. He is a trivia meister. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I have a trivia night at the right spot this Wednesday coming up. Yeah. So if anybody wants to, you know, flex that big chess club and brain of questions. theirs. These are qu- uh, trivia questions that you write? Yes. Yeah. I come up with them myself. I don't like, it's not like I just read them off the internet. Yeah, so these are uh, it's not sort of things. So check it out, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, Mike, yeah. thank you, for, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no it was problem. a lot of fun. I've never seen that movie before. Yeah, and uh, after tonight, you still haven't seen it. So. It's a, uh, it answered a lot of questions I had about uh, John Belushi and uh, heroin. Oh yeah, he did it. There's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie. All right, well, thanks so much. We're gonna play this song. Okay, uh, bye. live comedy to small business advice lgbtq friendly to sports vinyl to gutter punk mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer you i bet my peg leg on it or i ain't scurvy shit face mcrat <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground 
Brown Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. Yes. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a person.